Hey everybody, there are a ton of ways that you can follow us online. We've got our website, realnerdspodcast.com, that you can go to and you can read articles and find the podcast episodes there as well. If you like social media, you can follow us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or on Twitter and Instagram at Real Nerds. You can also call us anytime and leave a voicemail at 720-6-NERDS-5 and then we'll play your voicemail on the show. Thanks for listening. I hope you like us. Here we go again. It's our film explosion. A movie countdown of real devotion. It could get long, so bring your ibuprofen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. What's got the best acting? What's got the best direction? The cream of the crop. Here's our selection. From comedy to drama, even block exploitation. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion! Film explosion! This is Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Fan Expo Con. I am Ryan, coming to you via Zoom because it's snow apocalypse in Denver right now. Joining me is James. Yeah! Zach. Hello. And brad hey you can see me yeah (laughs) every week on real nerds podcast we see a new movie and we podcast our experience the world except every once in a while we go back in time two years (laughs) and we reveal our favorite films of those years in a top 10 top 10 countdown we call film explosion (laughs) <laughs> and we are going to be doing Film Explosion 1981, the year I was born, Aww. the year Rod Stewart hit the top of the charts with Tonight I'm Yours. <laughs> uh, Zach wasn't even thought of yet. Oh, why would you think of me? That's a stupid idea. You're still you're still 10 years away from being conceived, right? There's that. Yes, yes. Um and and some would arguably say that it shouldn't have happened to begin with, but um, we can't change the past, right? <laughs> nope. Well, we can. We just got to get a DeLorean. Oh, shoot. Ryan, let's go back in time and make sure I don't exist. <laughs> so if you've uh, if you never listened to one of our film explosions, we each have our 10 favorite films of this year. We'll go in a specific order. We will tell you what our film is. Play the trailer. Or, Brad, you're going to be able to play our trailer, so we'll just say our number 10 film is, right? Uh, yeah, just say your film, and then in the audio that'll be available on Stitcher or whatever later, the trailer will be inserted. Mm-hmm. It won't be in the live feed because there's copyright issues. They will oh, fair. block our feed for... Which is dumb because they're trailers, they're promotional, but whatever. So are we actually watching the trailers now, or you're just going to cut them, in, cut them in later? I'm going to edit the audio in later. Okay, cool. So, they won't be in the live stream, so just you know, give me at least a couple seconds so I can edit it later. But yeah, say here's my number, whatever, and then say the name. Sounds cool. And then the order is going to be Zach, Brad, me, and then James, right? Did I get that yeah. right? Cool. <laughs> you only had to tell me once. 
That's pretty good. You got the mind of a genius, sir. I don't sir. have a script in front of me. What? I said you got the mind of a genius, sir. Thank you. Yes, I don't even have a script in front of me. I have a steel trap for a mind. <laughs> this is live. There, there can be no script. This is. That's what I'm saying. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yes. This could crash and burn real easily. <laughs> yes. We'll see. It usually we're, does. We're to find out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what would a real nerd's film explosion be without some sort of difficulties? <laughs> Technical difficulties. I had Please one, the snow. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The, um, you, you might notice we're missing uh, two nerds. I think Corinne was not interested in this year because... <laughs> um, <laughs> there's no british movies in it there was too much badass. There's no british movies and if you actually uh go through the movies that came out this year you better be kind of a horror movie fan <laughs> yeah the slasher movie craze was in full effect yeah i mm-hmm. i will say i actually struggled more than i should have considering how easy the top half of the list is the bottom half which i'll i'll talk about i was like oh like i can put some stuff on here but i'm just gonna piss people off like you know <laughs> Ooh, we gotta be like, he hasn't seen this slasher movie. He hasn't seen this one. He certainly hasn't seen this one. <laughs> we got a comment on our live feed. Whoa. Oh, my. Sixth, from Sixth who? Jayhawk said, that's correct. I've only seen one 1981 movie ever. Oh, that must be Corinne. I guess so. Yeah, that's Corinne because she loves uh, Kansas yeah. and Kansas yeah. sucks. Yes, she's, especially she's, in basketball. They're the worst basketball the show? team Why? ever. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Uh, anyways <laughs> I should also mention in place of the audio of the trailers like when you introduce your film a poster of the movie will come up for the people at home oh yeah so cool oh, Corinne says hi guys hi hi this is the most convoluted way to say hi to someone <laughs> we got on a zoom so we could live stream it to the internet so you could go into the chat and go hi uh, she wants us to plug the 2021 movie madness. Oh um, my god, this isn't this isn't talk to Corinne through the internet on a f- five minute delay <laughs> podcast. Come on, oh that would be that would be the most niche podcast ever. We might get a huge audience out of it. Um, yeah, sorry, Corinne, I I, I was screwing around with this live feed, so I didn't post your little trailer onto the uh, stream yet. But you said bye tomorrow, and there's still a few more hours left in the day, so. I will get to it after we finish this film explosion. Wait, you lost another hour because of more daylight savings time for no reason. Damn it. Oh my god, I thought this podcast would go faster because we don't have the po- the trailers, but if we spend this long talking to Corinne, we're never going to get through this. I'll just say really quick, she's doing the March Madness again. So cool. It's Disney Pixar films. Oh, it's Disney movies. Yeah. Um, and there will be a trailer with her and Jerry uh, talking about their predictions. So, um. Very yeah, cool. watch Facebook for all the polls. Is the winner the Rocketeer? That's technically a Disney movie. Did you submit that? No, I just then, no. I just assume that the right winner should win. Isn't that how this works? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Cool, sweet. So uh, let's go back in time to 1981. Zach, what is your number ten film from 1981? All right, my number ten film. Uh, is uh, a film that is not a it's not like a newly created film it's a compilation film but it's a film that I picked up on video 
when I was a kid and I ran through it constantly because it features some of my favorite cartoon characters of all time. And these kind of compilation films were the only way you could watch the Looney Tunes in a theatrical setting. So my number 10 film is the Looney, Looney, Looney Bugs Bunny movie. Get ready for big fun. Prepare yourself, rabbit. I'm a coming over the wall. Big laughs as Bugs Bunny hits the big time in Academy Award winner Frizz Freeling's Looney, Looney, Looney Bugs Bunny movie. Bugs is back in Hollywood, and this time he's up to his ears in funny business in the looniest movie of them all. Watch for Frizz Freeling's Looney, Looney, Looney Bugs Bunny movie, starring Bugs and all his friends in some of Warner Brothers' greatest comedy classics, combined with all new action-packed antics on the big screen. They're coming to your neighborhood soon. Freeling's Looney, 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 Bugs Bunny movie. Yeah. So yeah, Looney, 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 Bugs Bunny movie. It's just a compilation film of several um, uh, shorts strung together uh, through interstitial ones. They've done a couple of films like this, like Daffy Duck's Quackbusters and other such Bugs Bunny Roadrunner movie. Um, but this is the one that we had on VHS because um, I guess we must have gotten it from like a Costco or something when they repackaged it under a new looking title. The, the short that I remember being in there the most was the um, <clears throat> Bugs and Daffy on, vaude, on a vaudeville stage, like fighting with each other. And that's where I first saw that cartoon. I don't remember seeing it in the uh, Cartoon Network run where they would like show hours of it. Um, so, yeah, if you like Looney Tunes and you like watching it with. The I like Looney Tunes. Around, yeah, you, I know you do, Ryan. I know you do. <laughs> that's why you and I would be able to connect on this. Um, but, yeah, no, if, if you. Um, it's kind of actually weird. Like these films are actually, I feel like good introductions to the Looney Tunes for a certain generation. Uh, if you didn't grow up with uh, Cartoon Network, like having hours jammed down your throat um, and you don't like want to watch the new HBO Max series, which is a stupid thing. Why would you not want to do that? Um, but these are like good ways to get you into the Looney Tunes um, is to watch these compilation films. You get a sampling of the genius at work and it's for his freeling primarily. It's his stuff primarily in this film. So yeah, uh, the number 10 is the Looney, Looney, Looney Bugs Bunny movie. Very cool. Nothing wrong with Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. Brad, your 10th film of 1981. Uh, yeah, this is going to frustrate some people, but um you know, I watched it once and it was okay. And a lot of my bottom of the list is going to be I watched once and it's enough to qualify <laughs> it's okay. for. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the internet just freaked out and now I can't see YouTube anymore. Great. I can That's see great. you. All right. I can see you. You're good. Yeah. Three's um, fine. It's so much harder when I have to talk and do the switcher. But here we go. <laughs> and this is why you were supposed <laughs> to be a robot, man. New York, 1997. The entire city is a walled maximum security prison. The bridges are mined. The rivers are patrolled. 
And the United States police force has everything under control, they think. I'm going in. John Carpenter's Escape from New York, the high adventure of the future. One man must go in where no man has ever gotten out. And if he comes back alone, his nightmare has just begun. Who are you? John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Heard you were dead. John Carpenter's Escape from New York, the greatest escape of them all, is about to blow the future apart. So yeah, it's a sweeper. I didn't leave the poster up that long. Dang it. <laughs> it's a Escape from New York. Um, you jerk. I, th- I thought for sure, because of the sweeper thing, I thought you were saying it was a sweeper of Raiders. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> no. Um, and I can't freaking youtube hang on let me reload this is stupid why don't you tell us about escape from new york while you're doing it brad yeah escape from new york is a uh, movie i watched and uh it was okay <laughs> i barely remember any of it um i mean it, it's cool it's definitely stylish but story-wise i wasn't like didn't do anything for me so it's better than escape from la oh yeah <laughs> i should point yeah escape from la is so much yeah sillier and more nonsense yeah um yeah like i I, snake plissken is cool i just wish he was in like a more interesting movie yeah i i think that's totally fair what what? (laughs) so um i don't have to talk much more about it because i'm sure it'll come back later yeah it'll Um, come back in one or two rounds yeah i had a i I don't know if anyone i had a sweeper (laughs) graphic where uh (laughs) tote from Raiders Lost Ark, his face melted and said sweeper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, I yeah, saw we that. Saw it. Yeah. Oh, you, you guys are watching? Yeah, we oh, saw okay. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I told you. You weren't listening to me. I was trying to think of, I, like, I'm walking and chewing gum over here trying to yeah. do the. The feed's, the feed's working great, Brad. You just talk about your movie, man. Okay. Well, good thing it was one I don't care that much about. So I'll <laughs> tumble through it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good on. Cool. On Escape from New York. It's a uh, movie from 81 and that I saw, so it's on the list. <laughs> uh, so my number 10 is I'm sure going to sweep a lot of legs, and I'm really sorry that I'm doing this. But, I mean, this is where it lands. My number 10 is this film. It was 1945, the night of the graduation dance. The war overseas had just ended. The terror at home was about to begin. Roy? Come on. Come on, kid. Don't play hard to get. What about New Year's Eve? Well, that was different. I couldn't help myself. If he wants you, he'll get you. (laughs) 
tonight, the terror begins again. They never found out who did it. But it had to be someone in town, someone who knew that she was called Rose. And Mark, that guy still might be around here. Oh, man, I don't believe this. You're talking about something that happened over 30 years ago. Whenever the time was right, he'd come back. The Prowler. If he wants you, he'll get you. your breath it starts all over again you may think you're safe but you're dead wrong the prowler coming soon My number 10 is a slasher film called The Prowler. <laughs> from, Inter- interesting choice. Uh, from Joseph Zito, who directed Friday 13th, the final chapter, mm-hmm. with makeup effects by Tom Savini. Um, it's about this guy who kills people <laughs> at a dance. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the point. That's the plot of the movie. Is he in the military? Because <laughs> uh, the poster. Because... Yeah, he's is uh. So his getup is like World War II military guy. Gotcha. Always, so usually, I what mean, usually an image that terrifies me, like definitely a yes. good choice there. Um, I mean, it's like the kills are pretty creative. I rewatched it last night because I was like, yeah, this movie's fun, but it's. Uh, it's only 88 minutes, but it's a slasher film that really drags because people are just really annoying in it. Yeah, <laughs> and, 
you go, hmm, I don't care if this person dies. And uh, and then they do. But the makeup effects are really cool and it's pretty gruesome. Um, and it lays the groundwork for his further uh, exploits to making a Friday the 13th film. Um, yeah. Number 10, The Prowler. <laughs> Sorry if I swept someone's legs with that one. <laughs> Oh, I, I think you're good. Cool, <laughs> James. It's, yeah. it, it's a fun movie. So, um, yeah, it's it's all right. Similarly, you know, my my number. Oh, wait, guys, he puts a rose on his victims. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> that's right. Uh, my number ten is also a, a real banger. Um, so I I will say there were a, a couple of movies from from this year that were like either cult classics or like some slasher movies that I've seen that are probably better than some of the movies at the bottom of my list. But like, then I would have been sweeping legs on something that I just don't give a shit about. So instead I figured I would, you know, put some stuff on there that was more fun to talk about. So um, my number 10 is this. For your eyes only. It's Roger Moore as Ian Fleming's James Bond 007. spy ship sunk in the Ionian Sea. She was equipped with ATAC. Have we begun a salvage operation? We asked Sir Timothy Havelock to secretly locate the wreck. He and his wife were killed by Hector Gonzalez. Police were able to identify Gonzalez by Melina, Sir Havelock's daughter. Explosive. Exclusive. Well, I trust you, Elgar. For your amazement, this bond is for you. Oh, by the way, we haven't been properly introduced, Melina. My name is Bond. James Bond. Mr. Bond, you have shot your last bolt. We're not dead yet. Good afternoon, Mr. Bond. You are now flying under remote control. Goodbye, Mr. Bond. I'm the Countess Lisa von Schloch. Why not come in for a bite? For your eyes only can see me through the night. This bond is for your eyes only. comes close to 007 when 007 comes close to you
I like your background. Thanks. Uh, so these sexy ladies are for uh, my number 10, which is For Your Eyes Only, which is a Roger Moore, James Bond movie that came out that year that I have seen. Um, and <laughs> yeah, there's, you know, if you asked me to pick out one scene from this movie that, that I could remember, you know, by comparison to like other James Bond movies, right? Like, you know, if you gave me like a lineup of, of different scenes from Roger Moore movies, you were like, pick the one for, from, for your eyes only. Would I remember it? No, I, I wouldn't be able to pick this, this from it. So it's more just that I like the Roger Moore 007 movies as much as you can, considering how problematic they are. And uh, yeah, I, you know, it's fun. Like the, yeah, I would watch this. I actually just bought the whole collection because I wanted to watch through them. And so I watched Dr. No and I was really bored and I was like, shit, this was a more boring idea than I was expecting it to be. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to slowly get through it. Um, so. Well, it's funny you say that. Cause when you go back, I don't remember for your eyes only at all. And then you'll go back and say, man, I really liked Moonraker when I was a kid. And then you watch Moonraker and you go, this is a piece of shit. I think I knew Moonraker was bad as a kid. <laughs> ah, see, you're smarter than me. I just like, I mean, I remember thinking it should be cool because like space and Jaws, but then like Jaws falls in love with an astronaut or something. And then doesn't he die in space? You know, I don't know. It was weird. Um, the one before it where I think they introduced Jaws was awesome. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. For your eyes only. I don't know. It's a movie. <laughs> Zach, you're number nine. Look how fast we're going through this list. I know. This is this is efficient day yeah. as all hell. Um, okay, so my number nine is the first of two werewolf movies on my list. Um, and this one may not be the most prestigious of the choices, but I still enjoy it a lot. And um, it was one of my first Scream Factory purchases. So my number nine is this. What do you see? The howling. Somewhere in this city. In this human jungle. It begins. Just try. He's right there. What do you see? What's there, Karen? What do you see, Karen? What's there? Somewhere in these woods. In this primal, sensuous, secret place lies an experience too terrifying for words. And now, all anyone can do is watch and wait. Tonight I'm going to show you something. Make you believe... The Howling. Okay, my number nine is The Howling. Uh, it's a Joe Dante movie. Um, woman uh, goes through a traumatic uh, encounter with a serial killer <laughs> uh, and goes off to a retreat. 
that is called the colony and it is full of werewolves. So um, a nice little uh, reason to watch some Joe Dante werewolf action. Um, yeah, we're going to probably be talking at least from Ryan and myself, we're going to be talking about another werewolf movie that is a lot more um, uh, well-regarded. Uh, but this one I think is um, uh, underlooked. Um, and I think that, it still has a lot to offer in it. I think Rob O'Teen's werewolf makeup is super fun to look at. Um, it's not the same as Rick Baker's for the other one, but uh, it's of a different quality. Um, and I appreciate Joe Dante's, you know, off uh, like off like, like kind of like crazy sense of humor, and the, it's stuffed into this film as well. Um, so yeah, if you haven't seen The Howling, I would give it a shot. I would actually do it as a double bill with the other film we'll talk about. Um, in fact, like this year has like, there's three werewolf movies. The other one, Wolfen is one I haven't seen, but you know, there's like, there, there's a, there's a plethora of these. And I think the howling is one that I think people ought to take a look at. And it's got D Wallace in it. So you can't go wrong there guys. And it's a, it's kind of yeah, mandatory. It shows up later on my list. So no, yeah. it's kind of mandatory viewing. Cause you got to get to the third one with the pig people, right? Yes. So I have never seen that third one. Why'd you watch the first one? Um, but because <laughs> I love the first one. The first one's fun. I, I, the third one, though, Ryan, is the third one you the one you've talked about where there was uh, issues with like some of the imagery in it being released, and the actresses had a problem with it or something. I can't remember. No, uh, I think that's the second one. The third okay. one is the marsupials. Yes. Yes. Okay. So the third one's the marsupials. The second one has the, uh, the 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 shots that the actresses didn't approve of or something. You're right. I apologize. They're not pig people. They're marsupials. Yeah. Get it right, James. Yikes. But yeah, The Howling. And also, if you have that Scream Factory Blu-ray, it's fucking cool. So yeah. Brad, number nine. Uh, My number nine is another movie that I've seen maybe twice uh, a long, long time ago. Uh, My number nine is this. After four years in the making, Walt Disney Productions proudly announces a milestone in entertainment. Our 20th fully animated motion picture, The Fox and the Hound. Look out. Here it comes. Hot out of Walt Disney Productions. Holy smoke. The Fox and the Hound. My, my. Look at that. A fox and a hound playing together. They were born into two different worlds. I'm a fox. My name's Todd. What's your name, kid? Mine's Copper. I'm a hound dog. Natural enemies. Wow. Look at those teeth. But the best of friends. We will always be friends forever, won't we? Yeah, forever. Well, Copper, me and old chief are going to teach you all about hunting. Yes, sir. <laughs> Copper's going to come back a trained hunting dog. A real killer. Oh, no, not my friend Copper. He won't ever change. But never can sneak up sooner than you think. <laughs> We're still friends, aren't we? Those days are over. I'm a hunting dog now. All 
right, boy. Get tracking. Smell them out. All the excitement of Disney's famous action animation is yours again in this major entertainment event. Best friends make the worst enemies. Disney does it again, the way you've always loved it. Animation in the revered Disney tradition. A heartwarming story the way Disney's always told them. The Fox and the Hound. I'm a fox. I'm a hound dog. So yeah, my number nine is The Fox and the Hound. And is a story of two creatures that should be enemies. and But they're trying to be friends. And it's... it's uh, He's a fox. Yeah, a fox and, and a hound, and you know, and I'm a hound. The, the hound dog. is supposed to hunt the fox, but you know, they want to be buddies. But the world is trying to make them enemies, and um, yeah, I don't remember much else beyond that. It's a cute movie. Yeah. It's not like Disney's best movie, but it's cute. Yeah, um, I own it. I gotta just pop it in, and rewatch it at some point. But yep, that's all I got. <laughs> Would you say that the Rocketeer is better than Fox and the Hound? I'm trying to lay some ground yes. here. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's not really fair because I haven't <laughs> watched The Fox and the Hound as much as The Rocketeer, so it's not a fair evaluation. I, I think that's totally fair. No, I think yeah. it's totally fair that The Rocketeer is better. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, my number nine is if man, this might be controversial to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. It's um, Orson Welles' best film. Here's my number nine film. From the naked dawn of man to the magnificence of the Bible. The Lord Jehovah has given unto you these 15, 10, 10 commandments. From the glory that was Rome. To the dark evils of the Spanish Inquisition. For now begins the Inquisition. To the French Revolution with its squalor and its splendor. The peasants may grow violent. They are my people. I am their sovereign. I love them. Paul! History of the World, Part 1, starring... It's good to be the king. More women! More wine! More! I can't submit to the king. That's the one. Oh, that's Chip, you're beautiful. Stop you? it! <laughs> Let's end this meeting on a high note. Hey, what country are you from? Ethiopia. What part? 125th Street. Oh. I'm Miriam. I'm a vestal virgin. I'm really sorry to hear that. You should have been here over 30 grains ago. Please manage me. Gee, I just ate. Drama. 
Do you require a blindfold? None. Have you any last words? None. Chest, dunk your teeth. Hold. Action. Where you going? I don't know. Romance. Say when. 8.30. Spectacle. The Inquisition. What a show. We know you're wishing that we go away. But the Inquisition's here and here to stay. Mel Brooks, History of the World, Part 1. Ten million years in the making. Uh, my number nine film is History of the World, Part one why does everybody hate me this time (laughs) (laughs) um and it's uh it's a mel brooks film and it's kind of like a bunch of vignettes of historical moments in history it's a sketch movie (laughs) yeah it's it's really silly but there's moments that really stick with me uh you know the inquisition is really what a show (laughs) uh there's you know, I watched it a, like last week, and there is some dialogue in it that's a little hard right now to listen mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Um, also, when I was younger, I loved "It's Good to Be the King," but now you're like, "Oh, this isn't yeah. <laughs> right." But it's yeah. still funny when he um, has dudes launched and he shoots them. <laughs> it's laugh. <laughs> um, there's what are you it's about? A... I, they are my people. I am the I am the so- sovereign. I love them. Pull. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's really, I mean, you have to like Mel Brooks because the humor is really uh, is really like Humorous. slapsticky. Yes, um, but it's it's funny. Uh, ironically, the first place I saw this is in high school in history class, and <laughs> I don't think the teacher wanted to teach that day. <laughs> and, uh, That's the same. same and for I, me. I, I've always wanted to see part two because I wanted to see Hitler on ice. <laughs> you know. And, and it still has one of my most favorite jokes in films ever is uh, when Moses says, and now I come to you with these 15 command, uh, these 10 commandments because he drops <laughs> the other five. <laughs> it's really stupid, but it's really funny. And I always have a soft spot in my heart for comedies like this, where they never take themselves seriously. Um, yeah, it's a fun film. Yeah, the only time I've seen it but was I like eight films better. History class too. <laughs> Did you yeah. really? So, yeah, who was that? Was it Fudge? I don't remember. Was it Miss High? No, I don't remember that name. I, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. How cool of a high school did you guys go to that they were showing you History of the World Part One? Uh, we went to Golden High School, home of the demons. Yeah. Okay, because I went, <laughs> I, I went to a high school where we couldn't watch an R-rated film without a friggin' permission slip. We got to watch Man. the Romeo and Juliet, where. Uh... Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boobs. I think that every school does that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we got to see some cool stuff. Sorry, your your school sucks, Zach. Oh yep. yeah, no. Well, no, you're younger it, than us. it only. It only sucked up until I got to the writing on film class in high school, where after I got the permission slip signed, they so they showed us everything from Shawshank on down to do the right thing. So, 
it got better eventually, but <laughs> still. But it'll never be as good as watching History of the World Part 1. No, we did see Swing Kids, though, in uh, middle school, and that was that was cool because everybody cried, and and rightfully so. Crying it's very... is cool. That's <laughs> 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 not what I meant, but okay. <laughs> wow. Guys, we need more jokes. We, we lost a, a watcher. <laughs> well, Kroon had some more to be. I'm seeing five people watching right now, so. Yeah, but that's because you joined. Oh, there used okay. to be five before you got on. Oh, okay. <laughs> also, I'm seeing video of myself five minutes in the past. Now that, there's, <laughs> now that there's four of us here, that literally means it's us and my mom. And I know because every few minutes when Huck is on the screen, she texts me. So <laughs> she's not watching for any of you. My grandkid is a stud. <laughs> oh, mercy. All right. Anyway. Uh, James? Cool. Uh, yeah. Number nine. Uh, my number nine is a movie that actually should probably be higher, but I haven't watched it since I was a kid because it's so weird that why would I watch it again? So my number nine is this movie. Remember my voice? I do trailers. All kinds of trailers. 23, take two. One day they'll put me in a film, a proper full-length job. Until then, I'm just stuck with this sort of stuff. Go and see this. Don't miss that. The most terrifying thing you ever saw is coming to babysit for you tonight. All right, cut it down. Look, just read what's on the script, will you? What? The script. Other way up. Ah. <clears throat> Ready? Yes, yes. You flock to see brief encounters for the special... Close! Event. Huh? Close encounters. Close encounters. The film. Oh, I never saw it. Well, forget that film. We're on about our film. Time Bandits. The word. Time Bandits. The one you are supposed to be promoting. Remember? <coughs> you flock to see close encounters for the special effects. You went to Superman to see a man fly. You went to Star Wars for the droids. You were... Now what? What's page two, man? It's under page one. See? Oh, dear. Yeah, you went to Star Wars Time bandits can offer you much, much more. It's not the special effects or flying men or droids which makes time bandits a unique cinematic... Cinematic! You know, pertaining to the cinema. Cinematic experience, it's the makeup. Yes, folks, you've never seen anything like it. Men made up to look like monsters. Monsters made up to look like men. Look alike men made up to look different. Different men made up to look alike. No expense has been paired, spared on the pan stick. The pan stick. No expense has been spared flying in the world's greatest makeup man. Just a minute, just a minute. What about the plot? The what? The plot. What the film is about. Well, I haven't seen it, have I? Haven't seen it? You're sitting there telling millions of people to go and see a film you haven't even seen? Well, I can't see every film I do now, can I? Oh, wonderful. Terrific. Look, give me that. What are you doing? Taking over. You're out. O-U-T. Finished. Kaput. Finito. What about the trailer? I'll do it. Time Bandits is an awfully good film. We have worked ever so hard on it. It's a tremendous adventure story. 
We like it, and we're pretty sure you will. <laughs> What's wrong with it? It's direct, punchy, honest. Honest. <laughs> honest. Smartest. What's that got to do with it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so my number nine is Time Bandits, uh, which is a Terry Gilliam film um, mm-hmm. where uh, some little people travel through time and weird stuff happens. And it's actually kind of, as I remember it, bizarrely similar to History of the World Part One in that it's like kind of skits and all these different things. And, you know, all you know, they go to different places and like it's just weird. Like there's just a lot of different sections of it. Um but again, I I kind of barely remember it. But it's one of those where you're like, like thinking back, I know like, well, this movie is probably better than I understand, you know, um, just because of who made it. Uh, and it's probably better than some of the other junk that's on my list a little bit higher. Um, but I just so don't remember it very well. Um, but, you know, it's a movie that people should see because time bandits. Um, so, yeah, uh, my number nine. I've seen it. It's always like in one of my cues, but I just, I just never have gotten to it. So. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, it's really weird. This kid's got a pigman friend. <laughs> I, don't, As one I don't even remember this. I do kind of remember some of the like Robin Hood, John Cleese parts and stuff like that. But yeah, but I, I actually don't remember the, the kid. I remember the boat and I remember like the end and they run into an invisible wall. That's that's all I really remember. So there you go. My number nine. (laughs) Fascinating discussion. Zach, you're number eight. All right. My number eight is the only drama on my list. Um, And it also is the final film with James Cagney. And here it is. Milos Forman, Academy Award winning director of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, brings you The People of Ragtime. Academy Award winner James Cagney returns to the screen as the police commissioner called upon to save a city. Academy Award winner Mary Steenburgen is the young woman whose act of kindness ruins her own family. The exciting new actress of ordinary people, Elizabeth McGovern, is the beautiful chorus girl who became the mistress of millionaires and the center of a sex scandal. Newcomer Howard Rollins is Cole House Walker, the rebellious musician whose pride held a city for ransom. Time. What a time it was. It was a time when a nation lived out its wildest fantasies. When a sexual obsession triggered the murder of the century. It was a time bursting with life, passion, rebellion when a man's pride held a city for ransom it was the beginning of an incredible time when the famous and the faceless made history together bad time good time rag time so yeah my number eight is Milos Forman's rag time uh now, full disclosure, it has been a while since I've seen the movie, but I do, it does still stick in my memory. Um, 
uh, it takes place at the turn of the century um, and deals with racial prejudice and um, <clears throat> uh, strife at that time. Um, it features uh, James Cagney in one of his final performances um, as police commissioner Ryan, Holt, Ryan, Ryan Lander Waldo. Um, and uh, the, I think it's, it's, it's one of those Milos Forman movies that no one's going to think about right off the top of their head when they think of Milos Forman, but I would recommend people check it what out. What movie do they think of when they think of him? I would say One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or People vs. Larry Flint or Man on the Moon or Amadeus, you know, the one with Mozart. Um, Mo who? Ma- <laughs> Zot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, yeah, I uh, waited for you to say that title just so I could do that joke. <laughs> and it was like the sixth film you listed. <laughs> and that's how pathetic I am. I'm like, I can't get a joke in. It's totally fine. Um uh but um actually like that the it's funny because the film came up within the last four years of discussion when it came to uh OJ Simpson because he was pushing to be uh, in the role of Cole House Walker in the movie, which ended up going to Howard E. Rollins Jr. Um, and his character is set up as such that he doesn't feel like race w- should determine his actions as a man. And when you watch the movie, I think you find that it is a very interesting portrayal of racism in that turn of the century kind of an area. Um, and also really to watch James Cagney, even literally within the within the last throes of his life still giving a wonderful performance even though it's not supremely active is is a great thing to watch um and also it's pat o'brien's in the movie too and he wanted in his final role so it's jim and pat in the same uh, same film together uh d- d- just showing that these two actors from that warner brothers era um who were in several movies together throughout their careers um we're able to go out together so um lots of fun um so yeah my number eight ragtime i want to rewatch it again uh because it is but it is like one of those historical epic movies where you're sitting down with it like it's an evening so brad number eight right yep yes Uh, my number eight is really on my list because of the story not so much the movie itself, because again, can't remember it uh, that well. <laughs> uh, but there was this anime that I remember watching as a kid, and I got it mixed up with a bunch of other different things. And for the longest time, I couldn't figure out like what this anime was. And then I was working on something on like late at night, and I was just like watching YouTube, and I got like I, su- a suggestion for it. I remember when this happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is my number eight. Unico, Unica, Unico, Unico. Unico, には、たくさんの兄弟がいました。そして、Unico だけが。人を幸せにする不思議な力を持っていたのです。何も心には響かない。そんな寂しい時には。お前のおでこにつけている。その角を起こしな。<笑> 
二人で静かにお話しする
we're on a little delay, so I'm going to watch it. But it's a tag team review. Oh, sweet. It was Marion and Indiana fighting oh, the bad guys. That was cool. See, see, see James, I don't, I don't appreciate this background because it, it makes the suggestion that Pliskin <laughs> would want to eliminate me pretty much immediately. <laughs> I, like that, I like that he's hesitating, but still makes my feelings hurt. Yeah, that's his, that's <laughs> um, his badass phrase before he blows you away. Sorry, so, I'll, I'll, I'll expand on Brad's really in-depth review of <laughs> Escape from New York from earlier. Um, so in 1997, New York is walled off, guys. Manhattan is walled off. Yeah. That's where they send the worst of the worst. The you president walled off, kind of like in a quarantine kind of a situation. Like, yeah. they, like nothing, nobody's allowed in or out. Yeah. So the president like is stuck there. They need somebody to help. Who do they call? Fucking Snake Plissken, guys. Yeah. Actually, uh, what I do like about this movie is Snake is kind of the first in the line of that style of action heroes where he's really tough and like gruff and says one liners. Yeah. The character is so ridiculous and cool. Like, you can't. Yeah. The the movie could actually be shittier. Well, actually, let me say it differently. The movie could be Escape from LA and you'd still want it on your list just because Snake is so cool. Like his name is Snake, yeah. and and no one's like, but really, you know, like no, yeah, he's a badass dude. You name him Snake, he shoots, and he has an eye patch. Yeah, right. You know, because because depth perception is overrated. Like, yeah, I mean that it's probably pretty easy to shoot a gun with one eye because yeah. I mean to shoot a gun accurately, you do need to like have your sights lined up, but you only need one eye for that. It's well, cool. he, lo- um, he Ryan, lost Ryan two people. He, Two people have proved that's possible, him and Taranga Leela. Yeah. He, he only needs one eye because he wants the, the, the playing field against his enemies to be more level, right? If he had two eyes, mm-hmm. like, their heads would just explode when they walk in the room. Like, he'd be too cool, you know? He'd yep. be yes. too deadly. Um, and- he'd, kill it. he'd be like, he'd be like uh, that dude from the Daredevil movie where he kills you with a peanut, you know? Like, Bullseye. <laughs> Bullseye. Yeah. <laughs> So he's got to he's got to lose an eye that way that way he's got to use a machine gun because he can't quite figure out how far away you are you know hey hey James does that same guy who kills people with the peanuts want a bloody costume yeah <laughs> um anyway but in the R rated version he wants a fucking costume yeah yes <laughs> oh Zach don't swear you're gonna get gets kicked off. <laughs> oh, YouTube. That's okay. If we get kicked off of YouTube, my mom can go back to fold laundry. <laughs> or like whatever else she's doing on a Sunday afternoon. Like that's not because that's just all she does. We should be okay. I, I, I explicitly checked the box that said we are not for kids. You explicitly checked the box to, to say that we're explicit? Mommy, mommy, I can't watch. wait to watch Real Nerds Podcast. Talk about movies from 1981. <laughs> I don't know what the chances are that of the five people in the chat, 20% of them are underage. Mommy, I don't agree with James's and Ryan's selection. This is bullshit. <laughs> These guys even watch the movies on their list? <laughs> Actually, so far, no. <laughs> uh, anyways uh james and i are right escape of new york from new york is eighth best film from 1981 okay whatever be it's wrong a, see if it's I a care. badass eight <laughs> yeah zach it's, it, it's great because it's on people's lists that's why it's great um anywho well uh, we're on I, num- <laughs> number seven well we're on number seven okay cool my number seven is the other werewolf movie. And here it is. 
upsetting you, David, but you don't understand what's going on. I understand, all right. You're one of the undead, and I'm a werewolf. Yes, that's right. David, don't! I'm going to the police. Jack was right. Jack is dead! Yeah, Jack is dead, and six people are dead. There's going to be a full moon tonight. I'm going to the cops. Oh, be serious, would you? Oh! You can't let them go. Should the world know our business? It's murder, then. Then murder it is. Excuse me. I'm a werewolf. A werewolf? Naked American men stole my balloons. What? Zach's like, what are you guys doing to me? And he's literally like taking all my movies right now. Well, and I can't, okay. I can't so wait I guess, till he spoils everybody else's number one. We're literally just cutting cr- oh, oh, everybody. Um, no, that, I, I, I will tell you right now. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, number seven is an American werewolf in London. Uh, John Landis's werewolf entry. This is obviously the one. Zach, you're making me have a bad moon rising. I swear to God. <laughs> Hey, Ryan, it's a marvelous night for a moon dance with you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, everything from the atmosphere to the characters in this script, all the way down to the music choices that Landis makes. And there's no beheadings, so that's good. uh, Well, the one... That's a John Landis joke? Did that land? Yeah, not not really. (laughs) I was also gonna be like, yeah, no, there's he gets the the police guy gets his head ripped off outside the porno theater. Um, Is uh, it too soon? No, it's not. Actually, I was rewatching it last night, Ryan, and that the the transformation scene is still unnerving. 
I would argue that the second one is even a little bit more unnerving because it shows the fingernails coming out of him and there's like blood underneath. Like that one like really gave me the yeah. creeps last night. Um, uh, you should also say Academy Award winning. Yeah. American Werewolf in London. Yeah. Rick Baker's <laughs> spe- makeup effects win the Oscar for this and uh, rightfully so. <laughs> just, the the special effects in this movie are fr- that tr- the first transformation scene, the one that everybody goes back to is still freaking amazing um and jenny agatur is lovely to look at uh and griffin dunn is fun as his friend who keeps telling him to kill himself so yeah this is this is still a fun horror movie with the nice proper atmosphere of a universal werewolf movie um the uh yeah i i mean if you haven't watched it by this point you should probably check it out but it's you know it's it's a fun time fun time Yep. Brad, number seven. I swear, I, I will get to movies that I've watched uh, more than once. Uh, but not this one. Um, my number seven is this. Stop the presses! Jim Henson Home Entertainment presents... There will be spectacles, there will be fantasy. It's the movie with something for everybody. Adventure. We're just going to have to go down there and catch those thieves red-handed. What color are their hands now? Romance. He's a frog, isn't he? Yes. Danger. <laughs> and champagne. Well, if you put enough sugar in this stuff, it tastes just like ginger ale. Join those magnificent muffins in the whodunit that does it all. You want excitement? Jim Henson's The Great Muffet Caper. We should just change the name of the podcast to List of Movies. <laughs> real nerds list of movies um okay, okay. Seven. no i gotta defend you i, I gotta defend Brad you brad because is one he hasn't really yeah watched. i'm sorry a a you haven't watched this movie b because no, it's i've the watched third, it just no but but it's okay me. it's the third worst muppet movie let's all just be okay with that and it shouldn't be higher than number seven because it's not even on my list like you shouldn't feel bad about this brad you did great you go defend James, this number seven. James, 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 you're breaking my heart again. Yeah, okay, cool. I should have put Halloween 2 at 10. <laughs> go ahead, Brad. Um, yeah, so my number seven is The Great Muppet Caper. Uh, I think I watched this at a midnight at the Esquire recently. Recently being like, I don't know, four years ago. Um, and yeah, it's The Muppets. And it's uh, more enjoyable as memory than the uh, bottom three that i just did so it's better than muppets in space and there's and it's probably better than than most wanted uh i think uh carol is my favorite christmas muppet christmas carol and then yeah, yeah muppet movie this is the second one right yeah yeah this is the second one muppet this movie is, is the better. second one after the yeah. yeah muppet movie is better muppets is better muppet treasure island is better oh yeah christmas, Car- christmas, christmas carol is Wait. better James, James, which one did you just say was better than the Muppet Caper? Go back, go back. Oh, Muppet Treasure Island. Muppet Treasure Island is maybe the second best Muppet movie. <sighs> yeah, I think I think it's probably the number two behind. Well, no, here it's probably third because the Muppets <laughs> is actually probably the best one. Um, I think the Muppets is probably better than the Muppet movie, and then Christmas Carol is great. Treasure Island is great. Like. See, see, this is the shame of it being a live YouTube feed because you may watch a thirty-year-old man cry. Right, but Zach, now, you, 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 James just told you know me. that I'm right because they didn't make any more Muppet movies for a while after this one. 
Well, they made Take Manhattan not too long ago. Yeah, but nobody this. watches that one either. That's the third one? Yeah, yeah, together again. Gee, it's great to be together again. You don't watch that one? What's wrong oh, with Oh, no. It? Manhattan was the one I watched at the Esquire. I'm not sure I've even seen this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's because great, great Muppet Capers, Capers not that great. <sighs> I just watched it because I watched all of them with Leona recently. Like, Muppet Caper does not hold up well. Just wait. Leona's going to grow up and she's going to be like, Muppet Caper's the best no, one. No, she's not because she already had more fun at Treasure Island. <laughs> anyway. Just, Sorry, Brad. This is your movie. Cabin fever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll let someone else talk about it more in depth because they actually care about it more. Because uh, you don't even know what you saw. It. Yeah, I, I, I think I just completely mixed that movie up. With the other one. So. Yeah. Ryan, your number seven. Uh, my number seven is another slasher film. This is a return to a certain city that takes place on a holiday. My number seven is this film. I shot him six times. I shot him in the heart. He's not human. Universal Pictures presents Halloween 2. More of the night he came home. There was nothing within him, neither conscience nor reason, that wasn't even remotely human. Some kind of a joke? I've been trick-or-treated to death tonight. You don't know what death is. Janet, go tell Mr. Garrett we're having trouble with the phones. There is no place to hide. He will always find you. What's this? It's a Celtic word. It means the Lord of the Dead. My number seven is Halloween 2. And Halloween <laughs> substituted uh, its atmosphere and slow burn approach to the first one to, for a more uh, traditional slasher film. Mm. And uh, it owes a lot to Friday the 13th, this one. Yep. Uh, but it's really well shot. It's really cool. It takes place in a hospital. Um, this is the one where you learn that 
Michael is related to Laurie Strode. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, <laughs> do you think that it's uh, yeah? I was gonna say is it, you said it owes it to Friday Thirteenth. Do you think they didn't have like a a plan to do a Halloween sequel, but once Friday Thirteenth hit, they were like, oh, let's just do that. Yeah, well, yeah, they didn't. They they had no notion of making a sequel. The, I mean, they uh, set it up though because at the end, after Loomis shoots him, he's gone. All interviews by Deborah Hill and John Carpenter state that they did not intend a sequel initially. This was brought on by um, money. Jo- uh, not Joseph Wolf. Erwin Yablons wanted it, and they wanted he wanted to make the fog with him too, and then. Carpenter went over to Avco Embassy for the fog and Yablon sued them. And part of that settlement was you've got to do Halloween too, um, which is all in that uh, Scream Factory Blu-ray. But I mean, Ryan, I have a question for you on this. Do you think sure. that they actually hold back um, on the gore compared to Friday the 13th? Because I'd argue that they do. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, differently made but the Mm -hmm. elements of him you know stalking through the hospital and killing people is a is more in vain of friday 13th than the first one yeah totally agreed i just like i was like because i clearly the gore the amount of gore in there is a direct result of friday the 13th popularity but i was like trying to think in my head the other day of like comparing the two and i'm like yeah even then halloween 2 still manages to pull back and do a lot more stuff in the darkness and like shadows and stuff yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I still think the Halloween films probably have a higher budget and mm-hmm. um, they're a little more moody. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a film that shows up later on my list that I think's better um, <laughs> as far as slasher films go. I think this but is all determined on your fan base, too. <laughs> it can be. Well, yeah. no, no. I, and I'll talk about it later and I'll, I'll explain why. Okay, cool. Um, but no, I mean Halloween Two is a fun movie, yeah. Um, and you know, I- I'm always down for Michael Myers. Yeah, who isn't down for him? That's We're so I mean. down for him. We can't wait for a new one this year, which was supposed to come out last year. Stupid pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> James, number seven. Uh, yeah, my number seven is a repeat. Um, my number seven is History of the World Part One. Um, which is on the oh really yeah it's on the list because it's funny uh and i've seen it and i would say like of the mel brooks movies like this is not like i don't actually own this one um though i've seen it a number of times i don't think i watched it in high school because that seems like a terrible choice by educators um no no, still the best choice (laughs) uh i I was gonna say i and brad or ryan kind of hinted at this like i think this is one of the ones that has not aged as well in terms of like like blazing saddles you watch it and there's all this racial humor and you're like yeah but it's still pretty on point like like it actually applies and what he's saying is correct it's just like you're not you shouldn't you're not supposed to say that whereas there's definitely some problematic stuff in history of the world where i'm like uh okay whatever like i'm gonna i'm gonna roll on but like you wouldn't do that today um Mm -hmm. and it's stuff that i think it's because of the way he contextualizes it like some of that those jokes would have been in the other movies too in those movies it's one of the best ones of the first season right um whereas here yeah like the the good to be the king stuff which like you kind of get what he's doing but it's also just a little like more shuddery 
um i think when you watch it today whereas like even when i was a kid and i first saw this for the first time i was like yeah whatever um so but yeah i, I think it's good you know uh mel brooks i've seen it it's funny i like the the background you chose because that part's really funny right yeah no i mean there's just <laughs> there's a there's a lot of really great parts about the movie hey, one of the yes. things that i think yes. lends itself really well to the mel brooksness of it is the fact that it is like um like a not an anthology right but it's like a it's like it, it gives him the ability to have it be like a series of sketches right whereas there are parts of the other movies that slow down. I mean, even like Spaceballs, there's parts where I'm like, oh, this part's a real snooze. Like, let's get on to the next bit, you know? Um, whereas here, you bounce around and nod. It's almost more like watching a sketch show, you know? Um, it's it's like, a, it's very much like a big budget version of a your show of shows if they were focusing on one act, of like one theme throughout the entirety right. of it. Yeah. Um, also, Judas tried the mole wine. It is wonderful. No, leave us alone. <laughs> cool. Zach, I think it's you. All right. Well, my number six is a repeat. It's History of the World Part One. Um, yeah. Um, I actually, you're it, it, both Ryan and uh, James are on point with <laughs> the problematic material uh, by oh, today's standards. Being Orson Welles' best movie. <laughs> No, no, no. And you don't hear me trolling Cary Grant, so I don't want to hear it today. <laughs> uh, no, um, uh, yeah, the, the, the elements of uh, it's good to be the king haven't aged particularly well. Um, and there are other elements that play onto it. I, I still live in the memory of this movie, seeing it as a youngster. Like, and this was kind of like in the middle of my discovering Mel Brooks's films. Um, and so I still hold it high in my memory, but um, it's not one I go back to the most. I do enjoy the vignette sketch comedy elements of it. Um, I still love the opening with uh, Sid Caesar playing a caveman. Um, I, like, I still love the gag when he, you know, he's like the first artist was born. And then naturally with the first artist came the first critic <laughs> and his, the way he critiques his cave painting is by pissing on it. <laughs> um, uh, and, um, I, uh, uh, Gregory Hines, uh, Gregory Hines dancing, the gag about Roman red, a whole field of wacky weed <laughs> and then them, uh, uh, knocking out the guards by making a giant like giant blunt <laughs> and uh chasing down a chariot with it um madeline khan going down a line of men consorts and going no 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 yes no 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 yes like it it's another example of like what if you want to watch Madeline Kahn be a genius even for like a split five I minutes, do. like there's a fun t- what? I, I said and I do. Like Yeah, exactly. And that's, a, that's a good and, yeah. Yeah, and that's a good sampler of her work. Like uh say when, eight thirty. <laughs> I mean, um, she made a lot of big choices in that movie. Yes, she did. She did. She made a lot of big choices, and that's why she said at the end, wait a minute, yes. Um, and then also Yep. Um, and then um, uh, Cloris Leachman's bit um, uh, before the French Revolution, and they talk about 
how um, we, we are so poor, we don't even, uh, we don't have, even have a language, we just have an accent. <laughs> and he's like, that's right, we all talk like we're Marie Chevalier. <laughs> uh, like, so there's like little fun movie jokes inside of it too. Um, uh, but I still, I do think part of the reason like why I still remember this movie a lot actually has to do with the ending of the film where he promises a history of the world part two that we're never gonna get. <laughs> And amongst the jokes in it is, you know, there's a Hitler on ice, but also Jews in space. And then he makes an entire like space Star Wars space sequence with a song called Jews in space. I think it, I think it's still a testament to like Mel Brooks uh, and his writing team on that film wrote a bunch of fun sketches that are still fun to watch. Um, And the inquisition number is a, is a number that I think is one of the most, smartly written satirical songs that's ever come out of a film because it is audacious and brash and out of its damn mind to tackle a subject that touchy with a Busby Berkeley musical number in the middle of Torquemada's torture chamber. Like it is a very, very bold movie, even though it's talking about stuff that's happened like centuries ago. Um, so yeah, I, I would recommend people check it out with the context that not everything has held up. Like even the Inquisition number might rub people the wrong way. Like, and uh, I wouldn't blame them for being affected by that. But Mel Brooks means so much to me that I still look at each and every one of his films with a very, very uh, warm heart, um, despite any aging that has gone on. So yeah, my number six, History of the World Part One. Brad, number six. All right, we lost a watcher, so I got to pick it up here. <laughs> Get him back yep, on board. We gained two. We're at seven. <laughs> oh, my my analytics aren't showing. They're only showing four. Anywho. I've got six. Uh, my number six uh, <laughs> is a movie that I, again, watched in high school in class. And uh, I thought it was badass then. And I watched it recently, but couldn't quite get through it. Um so I, I just finally remember it being cool. And my number six is this. The wizard's ancient spell. Into the eyes of the dragon and the despair. And the lust of a lord. I must have her. One night with her. Give birth to an empire. Behold the sword of power. Excalibur. Presents John Borman's Excalibur. Knights of the Round Table, we shall always come together in a circle to hear and tell of deeds good and great. And I will marry. Don't you know me, Merlin? Because I'm a creature like you. Their magic is Merlin. Are you just a dream? To some. A nightmare to others. Their king. Is Arthur. You are my husband. I must be king first. Their power is Excalibur. I swear eternal faith to our king. Sir Lancelot, you will be my champion. 
Which is that? Greatest quality of knighthood. True. We're high evil then. <laughs> Where you never expected. I protest my innocence. Were I not king, I would make you pay with your life. A world of wizards, kings, warriors, queens, swords, sorcery, and desire. Forged of splendor and magic, where future meets past, flesh meets steel, and the only fear is the pain of love. Excalibur, sword of power, sword of kings. Uh, yeah, my number six is Excalibur, which is a very, uh, hmm. I guess, a really dark, realistic take on the Arthurian legend. Like, what would you Wouldn't call it? Well, Wouldn't the know, first, the it. first thing I—it's funny because you say realistic because the first thing I think of when I think of Excalibur is when he has sex with that lady, but he's still wearing his armor, and I don't know how that works. But <laughs> this little metal dick trap. <laughs> You know, it's like a chastity belt, but it's not locked. You know, Brad, I do remember what teacher I saw that one in. Mr. Odoricio's class is what I saw Excalibur in. What the fuck was wrong with you guys in high school? Holy shit. Clearly, they needed some days off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I want to say that it was the same class that I watched History of the World Part 1 in, but I just don't remember the teacher. It was the next day. Yeah, <laughs> just a long weekend bender. It's just like we're gonna watch these two movies, um, and they're both from 1981 because there's a rights issue. <laughs> no movies from like, probably like 20 years ago at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're like it's not realistic because yeah, it's there's a bunch of magic and shit in it. But <laughs> um, you know, I, growing up, my the closest thing I watched to the Arthurian legend is sword in the stone. Right. I was going to say like, it's, it's the most, not a cartoon version probably at that time. Right. Like, yeah. Um, unless there's like and a then, 50s uh, black and white version of something, you know? Um, yeah. And then Patrick Stewart's in it. So I'm like watching star Trek next generation. It's only like Patrick Stewart's in it. I'm like, cool. Yeah. I barely remember this movie. I think yeah. I watched it when I was working at blockbuster. Um, Yeah. So, I swear I'm gonna get some movies that I know really well. Well, yeah, by the end of this and I think this show. is this is one that like people like, but I think it's one that you had to see when you were like a kid in the '80s. Like you had to not have something better to compare it to. Um, yeah, I bet like totally. If you were like a nerd in the '80s, you know, into Dungeons and Dragons, this was like your thing. Oh yeah, I mean, Adam Savage like, spent like I've I've saw a thing where he spent like a week or whatever, like building his own replica of the sword. Like there's people who really love and care about Excalibur that the movie, um, but I don't I don't get it. Yeah, it's also funny like how more how more dark and twisted the uh, legend is with like, um, like how Arthur isn't like so heroic, you know? He's kind of a jerk, <laughs> right? For a bunch of the legend, um, yeah. And then that poster, like, how cool is that poster you just saw? Oh, hell yeah. So, yeah. Yep, that's my number six. Ryan? Uh, my number six is a repeat. Zach. Uh-huh. Um, uh, my number six is The Howling. Um, Good for you. It's, uh, yeah, it's You're better than a, me, clearly. 
uh, comedy horror hybrid mm-hmm. um, because it's kind of goofy. Um, it's got that Dante but, sense of humor. You know? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a dark sense of humor. Um, I mean, Zach touched on it. This reporter goes to a colony of werewolves. Um, uh, but the werewolf transformation is badass. Um, the one where she's in the uh, doctor's office uh, is one of my most favorite werewolf transformations. And I always liked werewolves when they were uh, walking on two legs and really big, kind of like superhuman wolves. And this movie delivers on it. It's gory. The post, the poster is really awesome. I love the poster for it. Um I always thought it was weird at the end, spoilers for a movie that's 40 years old, um, when uh, Dee Wallace turns into the werewolf and she's looks like a like a shih tzu dog. I don't understand why she's this little whimpering werewolf. Um, but yeah, it's it's an unusual film, but one I enjoy watching and I can. Yeah, I watch it a lot just because I like monster movies and violence. And nudity. Man, it has everything I love in films. <laughs> the howling is... This is what's called violence. a four-quadrant guy... movie for uh, Ryan. Yes. That's when I, when I go to you know, see trailers now, I need to see if it says rated R. It better be strong creature violence, language throughout, and nudity. And then I'm sold. <laughs> I don't even care what the title is. <laughs> That's what's going to be the title of my film. Strong creature violence, language throughout, nudity <laughs> which oddly enough sounds like a foreign title which is something you would not want to <laughs> like what yeah. you your your title for it is basically the english translation to a foreign title that makes more sense in its actual language yeah <laughs> yep that's my number six the howling James. cool um so my number six is uh six on these are all like actually great movies that i love that I have seen and remember for the most part really well. Um, My number six is maybe the one from this entire list that I would like pull out and recommend to people the most, because a, it's a pretty easy recommendation and it's a movie that most people have not seen. Um, So in 1981, Lawrence Kasdan wrote two films, one of which we will talk about later. uh, And the other one is one of the last and best performances by John Belushi. My number six is Hey, Suchak, hell of a column today. He's a newspaper man with a big name in a big city. I know what really happened on Murphy Street. And if I know, pretty soon Chicago will. I don't know what you're talking about. Joy and dessert! He has friends in high places. He gets vacations he didn't even ask for. The Rocky Mountains. Oh, so you've heard of them. Good night. Two check. Go to Wyoming. You gotta stay healthy. Look, you go on. Leave me here to die. I always wanted to die in the mountains. Get the view and everything. She lives where the air is thin. She's an expert in her field. Her work means everything to her. That's a bald eagle you're shooting at, and the American government takes it very personally. She lives alone, and she likes it that way. She's into oxygen. Better lay off those today. He's into nicotine. Every day, for 13 years, some smart alex are trying to tell me to quit. 
And actually, they were both very happy until they met. Out! This Porter, I'll die out there. Life is full of little trade-offs. She found him annoying. He found her aloof. It's nature's way. She found herself losing her privacy. <gasps> he found himself losing his nerve. I'll be going now. See you later. Take what you like and lock up when you leave, okay? And in the end, she found herself saving him anyway. But that's life on the Continental Divide. Continental Divide. It's about friendship. Social encounters. Togetherness. And survival. Never touch anyone on the street. They'll think you need help and they'll kill you. But mostly, it's about saying goodbye. Over. And you're up the next stop. And over. As far as Cedar Rapids. And over again. John Belushi. Blair Brown. In Continental Divide. So, uh, my number six is a movie called Continental Divide, um, which is like, I, I, no one talks about this movie. My mom saw it, I think, when it came out or something like that, and then made us all go watch it uh, when I was probably 12. Um, and it, like, especially in light of like the sh short film career of John Belushi and how few credits he actually has, when you look at it, you're like, Oh, this is kind of like his Spanglish is like what I would compare it to. Um, Cause like he's, he's funny and fun, but he's definitely more serious. He plays a, a journalist who is working on a story and sort of gets like, like there's mobsters or somebody who are kind of after him. And so his editor like sends him, you know, to a cabin in the Rocky mountains to, sort of hide out for a while and he runs into this woman who's like a you know like a nature writer and they fall in love in the woods and but like at first don't really like each other and then over time like you know he's a city boy and she likes nature and then they kind of fall in love in the woods um and and that's like that's the movie um and it's really great like it's it is super underrated in my opinion and a movie that most people haven't seen um and it really wasn't until i was gonna talk about the movie here that i was looking it up and i was like wait lawrence kasdan wrote this like what the mm -hmm. f like he 1980 was a very good year for him uh at least in you know how productive he was in 1980 and what ended up coming out in 81 um because yeah i mean I, I think just killing it so yeah, uh, I think they just announced a, a Blu-ray for this from Kino Lorber. Yeah, I haven't owned it in. Mm -hmm. I had a DVD copy of it, and so I haven't probably seen it in eight, eight or nine years, something like that. Because um, I got you know when I when I just sort of got rid of my actual DVD collection, like I haven't had it since. So um, yeah, I in thinking about it leading up to this, I was like, that's actually the one out of this whole list that I need to go get a copy of. Oh, there's one more here that I, I need to go buy that movie too. But um, so yeah, that's good to know. Cause I sort of assumed there probably just wouldn't be one. Cause no one knows about this movie or cares. Um, even though again, like there's only like four actual John Belushi movies, like how, how people should have this one, you know? So mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, check it out. Continental divide. It's really good. Zach number five. 
All right. My number five is going to get me in trouble. your girlfriend you take care of her My number five is The Evil Dead, uh, Sam Raimi's big breakout motion picture. Um, the, uh, the story involves Ash and some other people that don't matter in hold the on, grand hold scheme on, hold on, of Zach, the Evil Zach, Dead Zach, universe. Zach, 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 I love you. I'm going to let you finish. But real quick, um, Ryan, do you want me to knife him? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, Zach, go ahead. Good, good, good luck doing no, it no virtually. There's no emoji on... <laughs> Uh, yeah, how do I, on Zoom. yeah how do i thumbs down zach <laughs> there, there's a chat you can uh you know, send let, threats to let, zach through let me put it th- let me put it this way after this everything has already been mentioned <laughs> okay that's that's a fair except rebuttal for, except except for one yes of them. okay um so like i so you know i'm i, I don't feel a bit sorry anymore um uh but anyway no yeah the evil dead um ash and his friends go to a cabin uh they read from a book which you're not supposed to do because that's how you bring the demons out and the evil dead spirits and do they do they read from the book zach one of them reads from the book ryan (laughs) pretty sure what okay go ahead (laughs) no go ahead no go ahead tell us why it's your number five film (laughs) number five film uh, because there are four other films that I enjoy more than it. Uh, but also, um, it had to be on the list because I've enjoyed watching this movie because of my friendship with Ryan. But oh, oh, wait a, the... oh, that was okay. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. So, uh, but actually, Ryan's not the reason I first saw this movie. The first time I saw this was at the uh, Esquire at midnight uh, in 2012, I want to say. And my friends and I were very drunk on gin that night. Uh, and so um, we uh, we all kicked back and uh, 
watched the evil dead while having a, a few snifters of gin um and i remember it being a blast um the music that plays uh, off the record player when everything's going crazy, Ryan. I don't know the name. Like, and I don't know if it's something they created for the film or it's uh, a piece of source music, but like that creepy, like old timey music that plays in it. Like, I just kind of fell in love with that madness of it. Um, but no, knowing not just not just the 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 journey the film had to getting to this point that then it becomes like a cult classic. Um, but also having listened to the audiobook of Bruce Campbell's memoir and him discussing the making of the movie, I do think it's like one of those films that people should watch if they want some form of inspirational story in regards to the making of uh, an independent film, especially an independent horror movie, even though the industry has changed and whatnot. This is still a good example of like, the tough things you're going to have to go through to make a movie period. Um, and I, I rewatched it on Blu-ray not too long ago where I did all three of them in a row. Uh, and the, all the, everything about it really still holds up considering that it's the one with the least amount of money put into it for its effects budget and whatnot. Like Ryan, like you have the 4k, like, you you can probably attest to this like everything still pretty much holds up yeah yeah so um but anyway oh yeah they don't read from the book because they're listening to the recording of it yeah i was gonna yell at you when it was my turn to talk about it about how you bespoke about the film that you supposedly love at number five and then we just course correct you on that okay so sorry if i <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you just disagree with me and Stephen King. It's cool, okay? It's cool. Hey, uh, wow. hey, hey, Brad, is it too late to to move some stuff around on my list? I don't want to get yelled at by Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I just left it off entirely. <laughs> that was a safe choice. <laughs> well, yeah, the Evil Dead's awesome. Yeah, it is. Um, also, uh, it's just the- not as awesome as Escape from New York. <laughs> no it's not um but uh actually ryan uh, does the does have you been able to watch it with the new score or is that something that's still not available uh i no i haven't i think that's only at um like it was whatever print they had out okay I I can't imagine. I, I it would be kind of hard for me to want to watch it with any other aesthetic than the one that's currently on there i don't know why like it's just I'm kind of used yeah, to like, yeah. How it'd be, it'd be a weird out. experience for sure, because yeah. I know that movie so well that it'd definitely be a different experience. <laughs> it'd be like listening to the Philip Glass score on Dracula and being like, "This, this doesn't belong." <laughs> right. All right. Cool. Brad, number five. All right. Uh, my number five is, I wouldn't say it's a, a great movie, but it's definitely an interesting, <laughs> just watching James laugh at me. Sorry, I can't uh, help it. Uh, it like as, a, as an animation, it's, I, I think it's pretty interesting to watch. Uh, so my number five is this. Columbia Pictures presents Heavy Metal, a trip beyond the future. 
into a universe you've never seen before. A universe of mystery. A universe of passionate fantasies. A universe of terrifying evil. A universe of magic. Heavy metal. Brad, Brad, for the record, as the guy who did a year where half of his list was movies he had not seen, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. <laughs> nice. That's all I think about is like when I have a, a, a like a really lame list. I'm just like, remember that one year that James just almost didn't like watch any of the movies on his list? You're welcome. I wanted <laughs> yes. to really set the bar low. Set precedent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, my number five is Heavy Metal, um, which is just it's kind of like an acid trip of animation um there's there's a story but i can't tell you really what it is i've never actually um, seen this i i always imagined it's like it's like uh weird sexy fantasia is that right yeah okay that's a pretty accurate yeah it's like a bunch uh i guess vignettes of like shorter stories um and i think there's an overarching one it's been probably 10 years since i've watched it so it's not terribly fresh but yeah i just remember being like you know this is not something you would be able to follow from beginning to end it's kind of like you just kind of sit there and you you just enjoy it you just you just take it like watch all the bizarre fantasy animation that they have and uh south park does a pretty great parody of it yeah um yeah it's a it's a that's more coherent than this movie um <laughs> obviously uh but yeah if, if you want to like dip your toes into like what heavy metal is yeah that south park episode is pretty spot on um so yeah the 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 real movie itself is just like just kind of just take out that and it's you know it's probably like an art piece that you would just play in the background and absorb so um yeah i think some of the like some of the the imaginativeness of it is what's cool about it so that's my number five ryan uh my number five is a repeat. My number five is an American werewolf in London. Um, I, I watched this recently. Uh, I, I, maybe not recently, maybe in the last year. Uh, it was one of my favorite Blu-rays from last year uh, that Arrow did. And it's, it's one of those movies that has a really dark sense of humor with its like tongue in cheek. Um, you know, the werewolf transformation is always talked about about how uh, innovative it is and how cool it is. Um, and it's interesting listening to John Landis talk about it because he said he wanted it to be painful. And um, David Naughton definitely makes it look painful. And all I can think of after he gets turned into a werewolf is I want a Dr. Pepper. And that that's an old uh, I'm a pepper joke because he was in that commercial. 
Really? You know your jokes I'm, land when you have to explain them to people. I no, I know, I know um, the I'm a Pepper commercial. I just didn't know that he was in it. Yeah, um, um, it, it's funny, Ryan. Like rewatch it. Like if you think about the the humor throughout the through line of that movie, like a lot of it is Griffin Dunn telling his friend, "You've got to kill yourself." Yeah. Like it's like it's it's obviously meant within the werewolf context, but it is still like abrasive to kind of hear, like, "Well, Jesus." Like, yeah, it's a it's a very unusual film too. It's, um, you know the the rules it, it, it plays with where he's haunted by the people he's killed. Um, in the limbo yeah yeah but i do love uh i think my one of my most favorite scenes in a werewolf movie is when he's chasing that dude through the tubes um i think it's shot really well and it kind of gives you a glimpse of the werewolf and um yeah it just it just looks really cool and you see ads for Wendy's in the background on this uh, in the London subways. So clearly, we ruined and, Britain the way we ruined ourselves. I love Wendy's. So this movie definitely number five or higher. Like no, that chicken sandwich no, is real no, good. No, like this movie is definitely on the top five. James, I, I saw that in the background on the in the London subways last night, and I was like, ah, this is probably uh, the extra horrifying part is we introduce fast food culture to these to this. This movie is my number five because of its connection to <laughs> Wendy's and Dr Pepper. <laughs> oh, also, there's a Marlboro ad in there, and I'm like, is the British version of the Marlboro Man the Marlboro Gentleman? <laughs> not a not a cowboy, just a guy in a nice doffer hat. <laughs> Uh, but yeah it's a it's a fun movie um man like i said it it also checks boxes for me because i love you know monster movies and it's mm-hmm. funny and yeah, yeah check it out also like the, the ending with Ginny agatha crying her eyes out like it's like the most bleak fucking ending <laughs> yeah you know you know that is kind of a theme throughout werewolf films mm-hmm. is usually it's the I mean, it obviously started with the Wolfman. Is it's people are cursed and yeah, they usually die at the end, and it breaks someone's heart. Yeah, there's not too many werewolf movies where it's cool to be a werewolf. I mean, I I would think it'd be awesome, but why not? <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I said there's not yeah. there's not very many <laughs> Teen Wolf. I mean, he's surfing on cars and listening to the Beach Boys, and I think it's the only one. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I guess uh, Underworld. They kind of think it's cool, like. It's There's cool. no. I mean, it is cool enough that they made a whole series of them. Yeah, I mean, it's not. This I think that that was first, mostly due to the know. leather pants, Zach. Not. Yes, we do. <laughs> we do love Kate Pack and selling those films. I think the vampires. Fruit, fruit, fruit brute. Fruit brute's had a happy ending. He has his own cereal. It comes and goes, but it's there. Yeah, he's be here all the time. It's the best one. Yeah, shit. <laughs> You listening, General Mills? Yeah, get your shit together. <laughs> guys, guys, stop it. We all know Booberry is the bomb, yo. I swear I'll come to Battle Creek, Michigan. And... <laughs> <laughs> Let this dude in here who's demanding fruit fruit. <laughs> He's shaking the gates. <laughs> Let me in! <laughs> Bring fruit fruit. I will loot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, cool. James, you're number five. Uh, yeah, my number five is not a repeat, um, and is a really, really good movie, um, but doesn't have enough beheadings for it to be on probably anybody else's list. So my number five is this. 
Universal Pictures proudly presents a very special motion picture. Catherine Hepburn, Henry Fonda, Jane Fonda, on Golden Pond. Listen, this Norman Thayer Jr. over on Golden Pond. Oh, Norman, it's so beautiful. Everything's just waking up. Ethel Thayer. Sound like I'm lifting, doesn't it? My, oh, my, you have on a tie. Yes, I know. I put it there. It looks sexy. I hear you turned 80 today. Is that what you heard? Man, that's really old. You should meet my father. Hey, oh, mommy. <laughs> it means so much to him to have you here. Look at this little fat girl, Ethel. Sure, now he's got someone he can pick on. Bill Ray. Bill Ray. Yes, sir. The dentist? Yes, sir. Want to see my teeth? Oh. We like to sleep together in the same room, same bed. You know, if it's not offensive to you. Said they wanted to sleep together. You and I did, didn't we? Oh, I guess I'd be delighted to have you abuse my daughter under my own roof. Would you like the room where I first violated her mother? What I'd like to know is why you enjoy playing games. You seem to like beating people. But darling, you're wrong about your dad. He does care. He cares deeply. I'm afraid of him. Well, he's afraid of you. So you should get along fine. No, he won't. And you know why? Because he doesn't care. He is a selfish son of a... I know I'm just being dumped here. Turkeys don't want me. Well, this is a trout. What do you do out there in California? Cruise chicks. What do you do with them when you have them? Suck face. Good God! Hey, man, you don't have to yell at me. He wasn't yelling at you. He was yelling at life. What the heck does that mean? Oh, he's like an old lion. He has to remind himself that he can still roar. Scared me half to death. Billy! Billy! That's why I came running back here to you. See your pretty face. Listen to me, mister. You're my knight in shining armor. Don't you forget it. It seems that you and me have been mad at each other for so long. I didn't know we were mad at that. We just didn't like each other. I, I want to be your friend. You want to dance? Or would you rather just suck face? <laughs> Catherine Hepburn, Henry Fonda, Jane Fonda. Lord Great presents a Mark Rydell film on Golden Pond from Universal Pictures. Yeah, uh, so my number five is on Golden Pond, um, which is one of those movies that, like, you know, is like a super drama-y, people talk the whole time, and you grow up hearing about, like, on Golden Pond and how good it is, and, you know, as a teenager, you never watch it because you're like, oh, whatever, that sounds like some, you know, boring talking movie stuff i want to watch my action movies kind of thing and then eventually when i watched on golden pond i was like holy shit this movie is amazing um all of the performances are great uh it's 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 a story that you've now if you watch it you've seen it before because i think you know people ripped off of it a lot um but basically like this i'm pretty sure he's their grandson um this older couple staying at this cottage for the summer uh, and it's Henry Fonda and Catherine Hepburn and their grandson sort of gets pawned off on them from, for the summer. Cause their parents are going to go have fun in, in like on vacation. And, uh, and the grandson of course, like doesn't want to hang out with the old people. And then, you know, 
he grows to have a nice relationship with them. And uh, the whole time you're like Henry Fonda is sort of like starting to lose it. And, uh, and you're terrified that he's going to die in the end of the movie. And like, that is sort of the tension of the whole film. Uh, and there's a really good scene where uh, Henry Fonda and Catherine Hepper, uh, Catherine Hepper and give somebody the finger. Um, well, that's pretty great. Uh, yeah, it's just great. Like, yep. if you haven't seen On Golden Pond because you've never actually spent the time, like, you, you should watch it. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, just Catherine Hepburn is amazing. Like, all it's, of it is amazing. Like, yeah. James, this movie is the crux of the geezer exploitation genre. Like, <laughs> this, is, this, this is their gold standard. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not my favorite in that genre of film, but like, it is like the template example of like, you want to make a movie about getting old and yeah. <laughs> expounding regrets, but passing on lessons. This is the movie. Yeah, and, um, I, and yes, you're right. Hepburn is amazing. And the end of the movie is really great. Like I remember, mm-hmm. I remember being pleasantly surprised because I thought I knew what was going to happen. And when things went down differently, I was like, Oh, this is actually like way better, you know? Um, yeah i I just think it's it's a great movie if you haven't actually watched it especially if like if you've just kind of heard about it you know like i had the same thing with schindler's list where for the longest time like i knew schindler's list was good but like you have to be in the right mindset space to be like oh i'm gonna sit down and watch Schindler's list like i had a similar thing about on golden pond where you're like okay yeah it's like it's gonna be a boring old people talking movie um but then when you actually sit down and watch it like it's just great um Mm -hmm. yeah Best picture of the year, according to the Academy. Uh, yeah, and it um, it wasn't, but nope, that's of fire. by their rule. Oh my god, was it? Yeah, that's right. I think it yep. was Chariots of Fire, which is an even worse yep. film. Um, un- unwatchable. But anyway, um, yeah, this is not Chariots of Fire. This is On Golden Pond. It's my number five, and that's that's my number five. There you go. Yeah, it didn't make my list, but I do like the movie. Um, it's 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 a testament film for both those actors yeah. like that that's what they're remembered for unless you go back into their film respective filmography yeah. and i think you know it probably would have made your list if henry fonda wore an eye patch um but you know that really would have broken the, the you, you know if 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 henry fonda were in it talking about the hardships of being an oki or uh, Catherine Hepburn were a society lady who had to choose between Gary Grant or Jimmy Stewart, it might have made my list. It's, yeah, it's really hard to fish when you don't have good depth perception. Uh, <laughs> hey oh, that works on so many levels. I guess I was confused because the two leads won Best Actor and Best Actress. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's right. It's, it is yes. Academy Award winning on Golden Pond. Oh, yeah, it's the best movie. I mean, I would even argue, like, screenplay-wise, it is the best movie of the year. Like, Oh, my God. The best foreign language film from this year was Mephisto. Oh, shit. Uh, he's in season two of WandaVision. <laughs> Zach, number four. <laughs> my number four is a repeat. It's the great Muppet caper. Um, well, this is the Muppet movie I watched the most as a kid. And I love it a lot. Oh, you poor yeah. kid. What's your, favorite, <laughs> what's your favorite part where they're bumming around New York? <laughs> what's even more fun about the sweep is Brad messed up what Muppet movie that was. <laughs> 
was the point of was the point of doing a youtube live stream so you could just watch me slowly die inside visually i just want to show people what 10 years of just whittling zach down looks like oh, that's probably the most cold-blooded sweep ever <laughs> uh, it's hilarious it might, even, it might even deserve to be on the list it really is, it is so cold-blooded that's so good. <laughs> he's number four. He's not that attached to it. <laughs> yeah, my number eight is the great Muppet Caper. You know, it's the incredible story of Gonzo finding out his family's a bunch of aliens. Oh wait, <laughs> oh man, Escape from New York is my number ten, which is way worse. I really, I know. Uh, I, yeah. I really wish I had um, thought of this and like put put <laughs> Halloween at my number ten one year and talked about how much I like Freddy Krueger. Like. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, uh, my my number uh my my number eleven is uh Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. And what I really like about it is how uh Freddy Krueger manages to slash his way through Camp Crystal, whatever the mob. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, um, I I actually still love the film as it's as a plot. Like I enjoy watching the Muppets kind of go through this weird diamond heist. Um. There's a sequence in this film that from a puppeteering and technical standpoint is still amazing, which is Miss Piggy and Kermit riding their bikes um, through the park um, with the song side by side. Uh, yeah, it's it, it. If you watch the way everything was constructed, some of it still feels like a mystery to me, but I still love that sequence. Um, I love the opening number about how they're uh, they're talking about how they're gonna be in a movie starring everybody and me, mm-hmm. um, and I and I and actually like I mean I've, this must have been one of the first examples of a movie actively addressing the fact that they're in a movie for me like one of the earliest examples because they're they're in that hot air balloon and they're addressing the fact that they see the credits <laughs> and they're looking yeah. at everything I'm like oh that's that's adorable. Um, and then the final diamond, high, uh, the, uh, the part at the end where they're fo- foisting Charles Grodin's plans um, is is still pretty amazing to me. I, I like the film a lot. Um, I remember the music in this film more fondly from a childhood standpoint, like uh, the Happiness Hotel, um, Side by Side. Like that, th- these are songs that are still kind of ingrained in my head. Whereas the Muppet movie. Uh, Rainbow Connection and uh, Moving Right Along are the ones that, are, but everything, and um, I'm going to go back there someday, but the other songs don't hit the same way for me. Sure. But like those three from the Muppet movie do, the ones in Great Muppet Caper, they're ingrained in my head more. Um, yeah, that, so that yeah. first 20 minutes or so is really good, for sure. Yeah, um, and and um, I mean, like now, but now Muppet Caper has doesn't have my favorite Muppet song of all time, the Muppet movie does, which is I'm going to go back there someday, sung by Gonzo. Yeah. Um, but the this one has probably my third or fourth favorite song, like in terms of a writing standpoint, with um we're gonna make a movie starting everybody and me. Um so like there's still a lot for me to enjoy about it. And like this is this is one of the ones I'd want to show my nephew when he um is up for watching a Muppet movie. He hasn't shown interest in them yet, but when he does, this one will be here ready for it. And also Diana Riggs in the movie. You do not want to watch Diana Rigg. I really like Madeline Kahn. 
Is she in it? Can we put her in it instead? <laughs> I wish that she could have been in everything. I, James, I wish she was still alive. <laughs> but I can't do anything about it. <laughs> cool. Brad, um, number four. Uh, yeah, uh, my number four. Uh, finally, we're getting to something that I can actually speak pretty decently about. Uh, my number four uh, was the best of this series until 2015 when the director made <gasps> the best one of all time. And I'm going to team up with Ryan on this one. We're going to talk about this movie. deserts. Roads will become battlefields. And the hope of mankind will appear as a stranger. number four is the road warrior uh mad max 2 if you're from australia um yeah yeah, it's it's an amazing action movie uh uh, yeah my favorite thing about uh these films is i mean it's it's i mean it's a simple story it's they're looking for fuel and there's evil like warlords around yeah but they're trying to get this oil tanker from one place to another yeah Um, yeah but the visually and how it's shot and the action is it's just they're incredible films they really are yeah can i can i ask you brad when did you how old were you when you first saw it it's probably like i think 2008 2009 okay when i got my like netflix dvd thing going so yeah because i'm realized so it's 
it's higher on my list. And I took a second because I was like, why do I remember this more fondly? And it's because I saw this movie. I know my brother saw, showed me this movie when I was young enough to not think that the assless chaps and stuff were weird. Like, like to not think that stuff was weird and funny. Like, I just thought like, look at this badass, like, you know, apocalyptic thing where people don't have the backs of their pants. And, uh, and so for me, like, I remember being, I don't know, 10 years old and thinking like, this is the coolest thing ever. Um, you know, and then I don't even think my brother showed me the first one or the third one for years, A, because there's too much rape and B, because the third one sucks. Um, but like there was a period of time there where like this was like the pinnacle of apocalypse movies for me. Uh, and I bet that's why, like, because if, if I'd seen this when I was 20, I'd be like, there's some cool like this is a cool action movie, but like there's some weird, very 80s stuff. <laughs> yeah. So you're going so you're going off of the uh, initial release and not the U.S. release then. Well, it, it, I'm only saying I'm going off I didn't of what's put in... it on my list. I would have yeah. put it on my list, but I was going off of the 82, the May 21st release. Oh yeah, I went by whatever uh, Letterbox said, and it says right. 81. Uh, so yeah, gotcha. well, yeah. Okay. I mean, technically, it's when it debuts because if I mean, we really want to split hairs. Evil Dead didn't get a wide release until 83. I, no, I wasn't alive, true. so I didn't get a chance to see either of them in theaters. <laughs> That's 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 fair. I guess I wasn't. I I went through Letterbox too, but I didn't look through it, so I guess I didn't. Yeah. Now, well, well, well we next come back year to though, I'll put it on there. Eighty-two, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like from a filmmaking standpoint, too. Just you know, they're not. You know, they don't have the biggest budgets, but they make a hell of a motion picture. Yeah. With, with the- they make use yeah, of their environment. And you know, Max is a lot like uh, Snake for me, in so much that this is when you started seeing the action heroes where they're just like tough dudes. Yes. And you know, there's no, um, what draws you to them is they're also kind of anti-heroes. They're not clean cut. They're all like just badasses, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know. I just, I love these kind of films and growing up, my dad would always, my dad let us rent whatever we wanted, but he also kind of nudged us into what to get. You know, so that's how I saw stuff like Predator and Commando and Mad Max. Yeah, um, that's how I saw films like this because my dad loves these kind of movies where it's just basically balls to the wall action. Yeah. And um, and that's where my love for these films comes to is my dad loves them. And it's kind of a cool twist at the end too. Yeah. 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 I think the uh, like this probably was my escape from New York. Like he wasn't my snake Pluskin when I was a kid. And I think the way to explain mm. it is that when I like I remember this movie like as a kid, I remember being amazed at this movie and in my head it probably being as cool as Fury Road actually is. Like the truck sequence in 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 Road Warrior was like I mean, there were two truck sequences this year. One of them is the greatest action sequence of all time. And then there's also this one from Fury from from Mad Max, um, and it's just awesome, you know. But then of course, when Fury Road comes out, you're like, oh shit! All right, well, don't ever watch Road I, Warrior again. Yeah, every time I'm like, I should watch Road Warrior again. I'm like, oh, I really want to watch Fury Road. <laughs> exactly right, because it's really like it's really them taking one scene from Road Warrior and making it the whole movie. Movie, you know, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's also that great example of how to utilize a hero, which without. I, I I still love the fact that Max like virtually has no dialogue. He's very much a silent character. He's very much a silent movie character. He 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 moves through cinematic trope of just 
doing rather than talking or expounding dialogue. Um, and so he comes off as a more potent and mysterious and imposing figure to a degree. Um, and, and in a sense, with Road Warrior and Fury Road, especially like Max is kind of like a side character in his own headline movies, <laughs> like because like the bigger story at, uh, in Road Warrior ends up being more about this community, like right. and like what what they're up against. Um, yeah. So yeah, but yeah, it's a good movie. I'll put it on eighty two. I do like the movie. It's fun. Cool. Yeah. Um, James. It's me now. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't prepared. Oh, uh, yeah. My number four. My number four is a um, is a repeat. Uh, yeah, my number four is Evil Dead. Um, so sorry, Ryan. Nice. Um, it's okay. But uh, it's honestly just because, like, is it the weakest out of all of them? Like, and I don't want to say it that uh, way because it's uh, it's like revolutionary. Would... But it's one of those where it's like I don't go back to this I one as much because so. I watch all the other ones more often i think you know um i mean i don't think that's an unfair statement yeah. i mean it's mm. still a a good movie but i mean when you're comparing it to you know evil dead 2 and army of well i mean army of darkness is my favorite film of all time so right. of course i think it's not well, as good how about oh. if we're comparing it to the reboot i like yeah. the, the um the, the um you know i they... actually had a conversation about this the other day and i, I think it, it's too hard to compare them because the reboot or I don't even, I think it's just a, a continuation of the story mm-hmm. I think is a little, it's more mean and more visceral yeah. um, where this one, I mean, it's gruesome, but it's also kind of funny because it's so over the top Yeah, where the remake is pretty hardcore and it's more ground and it's more grounded in reality. That remake is one of the I, most I, memorable experiences I've ever had in a theater. Like, especially because the yeah. build up to yeah. it, like I remember talking to Ryan beforehand and being like, Brian, am I, how hard of a time am I going to have with this? And he was like, yeah, it's going to be rough, you know, um, <laughs> and it was like uh, I showed that I showed that movie to my wife. Sorry, mom. Um, and I still like I think she's got a little bit of like shell shock from watching that movie. Like when Halloween comes around, she's like, I don't want to watch that. Like that was that was too much. Um, so um yeah but i i love the original one like you know of course i own it i've got that cool steelbook version um but yeah i just don't go back to it as much because the other ones end up being a little bit more either they're more fun as the fun version or they're more uh, as the uh, version so yeah yeah i think this one's got like an amalgamation of all the things that make the others great but it's but it's still trying to find its step like it's not because it's not going into truly silly territory like uh, Army of Darkness does, but it's not leaning into the harder core serious moments that the remake does. Yeah. So like it's it's a stepping stone movie, the, the two, but it's still amazing to watch. Yeah, the two really biggest compliments I will give it is it's the best horror film of 1981 because it's the only one I put on my list. Um, and, uh, and if I were making my list from a historical importance, uh, perspective, it would probably be my number two, um, mm. because what he does in that movie and from like an independent film perspective and like, I, I just, I think that movie is really important despite the fact that like, I don't return to it as much. So anyway, 
that's my number four. Yep. Zach, number three. All right. My number three is a repeat. It is Rick Rosenthal's Halloween two. Um, yeah. Uh, I feel like in the world we live in now, this movie is this high on the list because of memory alone and, uh, spending so much time with the franchise and not necessarily because of the quality. Um, the, the bottom line is, is that when I was younger, because all we had the, was the established continuity that Michael and Lori were brother and sister. I ran with it as I got older and started leaning towards the idea of like, but what if they weren't? <laughs> and what if it didn't matter? Um, that's when this movie starts to kind of dip for me, but it still has all the things I want in a Halloween movie in it. Uh, for the most part, it is still relying on what you don't see, but there is plenty of gory moments to satisfy that slasher motif that we're getting starting in the early eighties. Thanks to Friday the 13th. Like um, I think that uh, uh, the nurse um, who Michael kills at, in the hot tub. That's still a very visceral death with her head being dunked in and you see the scalding skin coming off. Um, I think that the room filled with blood on the floor. I, I, it took me a while to figure out if Jimmy died or if he just went unconscious <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, after falling. Cause then he comes back out of the, uh, out of the hospital, gets in the car and then he just fucking falls onto the car horn of the car and then thus attracting Michael's presence. So then Lori has to get out of that car and then go to the front door. Um, and in fact, Jimmy's fate is usually pretty unresolved unless you watch the other cut where he goes like, we made it. <laughs> uh, but like, we still have Lori Strode. She's not really active in the movie cause she's really not that important. Like she's literally just there to keep the continuity from the first one. Um, but it is a movie that like, in terms of a sequel picking up immediately where the first one left off, the movie does a really good job at adhering to a continuity in terms of the look and the atmosphere of it, considering the fact that the movie comes out like a good couple of years after the first one. And so they still keep it in that seventies aesthetic for the most part. Um, and uh, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. One of the reasons I loved this series when I started watching it was Donald Pleasance as Dr. Loomis. And in the in four, five, and six, he becomes more of a cartoon character. In this one, he's still very much the same doctor from one, but he's just become unhinged because he's just tried to take down Michael Myers. He's put six bullets in him, and Michael Myers got back up to watch him react to that over the course of this movie is still an interesting performance um i i appreciate the level of him still bringing that van helsing vibe to everything and then him having the standoff like i still love him basically telling Lori to get out and then pulling out his lighter as Ma michael's walking around blind and he goes it's time michael and he lights that lighter and the whole thing goes fucking up in flames um so yeah, it's still a fun movie. I think Rick Rosenthal shot the hell out of it too. Like it does look aesthetically in keeping with the first one. And a lot of that has to do with Dean Cundy returning to DP it. But, you know, he clearly knew how to get that same vibe uh, that Carpenter was bringing from the first one. It's not as good as the first one, 
but it's still worth watching, especially if you're a fan of the franchise. If you're if you're a tangential watcher of it like James, you're probably not going to like it. But well, I, I actually really wanted to get this onto my list because um, I really like Weird Al Yankovic, um, but I I just couldn't couldn't quite make it work. So. Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 is fine as well. This is a different Halloween 2. I don't, I don't know anything about that. I just I just like like that guy's music. Anyway. Also, this is the first of the this is the first of two Halloween films where or no, first of three or four actually cuz Rob Zombie utilizes it as well. Uh where Mr. Sandman is a song that's strewn about the Halloween franchise, which is oddly appropriate for it. Like it's not my favorite song association with Halloween, but it's fine. Like and it works. Um I like the way it kicks off H2O. Um so yeah, Halloween too. I, re- I really um, like it. mostly there for <laughs> I, I like that Star Wars one he did. <laughs> <laughs> most of running with scissors is really good <laughs> little diddy about homer and marge ryan you still there uh yeah i'm just waiting for the rambling to stop. <laughs> that's it I'm, I'm done i'm i'm done listening to james troll me for how many minutes brad you're number three uh yeah uh speaking of uh horror movies uh ryan will you help me with this one you know it should Friday the 13th, 1981, be any different? Friday the 13th, part two. The body count continues. 14. You're all doomed. You're all doomed. 15. God. 16. 17. 18. 19.
Yeah, my number three and Ryan's number three is Friday Thirteenth Part Two. Nice. Um, no, yeah. Sorry, Brad. Go ahead. No, I, you, you know more about than I do. Um, yeah, it's just a direct sequel to the first one. Um, you know, uh, except uh, now we get to see we bring a supernatural element into the into the franchise because uh, Jason Voorhees is a full adult man, and he uh, continues his mother's kill streak um and i some remember say being... he never died brad some say his body was never found <laughs> you're doomed you're all doomed um yeah i the only part of it i was disappointed like you know after watching the first time i'm like okay cool finally like to see jason Voorhees with the hockey mask and uh yeah he still doesn't have the hockey mask in this movie um but he's got a cool bag over his head um and uh <laughs> Yeah, a lot of a lot of sweet kills, Ryan. Yeah, uh, you know, rewatching it lately, I keep on appreciating this one a little more. Um, it follows a lot of the same beats of the first one, um, where it kind of slowly introduces you to the characters, and then it ramps up towards the end, which is a formula pretty much for all the Friday the Thirteenth. But what I, I really loved about this one is, uh. The, the score is really great. And I think uh, Jason is pretty scary. The last 20 minutes of the film where he's chasing Jenny uh, around. Uh, around and just everything about it, you know, the music and the way it's shot. I think Steve Miner brings a, a lot more energy to the film than uh, Sean Cunningham did. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Sean just kind of a lot of like a lot of it's just, you know, the cameras sitting yeah. back and voyeuristically like watching everybody until a kill yeah Um, i agree and you know mine are kind of put you in the um the scene a lot more i think his shots are a little tighter you feel like the kids are actually like really being like viciously stalked yeah and i like jason's really i mean he's really mean in this one and he's scary in the game he's like the toughest version right like he's the most powerful yeah I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an unusual film too. I mean, you you can trick him into thinking that you're his mom and that's how they beat him. I, uh, I was going to say, Ryan, I actually like that part of the movie a lot. The more I watch it, because I do find it like this interesting angle that they never rightfully so they never go back into it after that but like i kind of like the idea of like that is one way to try to get the upper hand on him at least this early on in the series yeah well i mean i mean obviously they play that he's not smart but right his way he gets people kind of proves that he is um mm-hmm. but yeah no i like i said rewatching it i just appreciate it more like the last 20 minutes i think are some of the best in the series where it's just that you know, the music with the violins and Jason chasing them. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's a fun Friday the 13th film. Yeah, and that great stunt of uh, him jumping through the window. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, uh, at the end. You know, that's on. Friday 13 kind of piggybacked off of the carry jump scare at the end where, don't get too comfortable because they're going to come back. I always thought Alapalooza, yep. Alapalooza was an underrated <laughs> album. 
Yep. I mean, Jurassic Park is frightening in the dark. Yeah, but then there really wasn't like like I thought there should have been like him singing to the Jurassic Park theme and it wasn't on there. So. <laughs> yep. James. James. Oh yeah, me. Uh, cool. So my number three, uh, hot take. Uh, I think this is my favorite Bill Murray movie. Sorry. This is it. You're a bum. And that's all you'll ever be. A bum. Are you stuck in a dead-end job? Personal problems got you down. You can't go. All the plants are going to die. I've lost my job. My apartment, my car, and my girlfriend. Well, the army can turn your life around. Oh, I knew it. She was walking next to me. Singing to what did it, did it, did it, did it, Join a whole new breed of professionals. Oh, my God, my mama. Learn what it's like to feel like a man. Get your body into incredible shape. Master important career skills. <laughs> what are you going to do with that? This and this. <laughs> and represent your country in foreign lands. Chicago. <laughs> so if you're a man who likes to take charge of your own life. You're different. You're weird. You're a mutant. You're a killer. You're a trained killer. This looks like your kind of challenge. So am I to understand that you men completed your training on your own? That's the fact, Jack! That's the fact, Jack! Join the wackiest group that ever put on a uniform. Gentlemen, this is the EM-50 urban assault vehicle and ride with them as they blunder across borders I mean, always get this thing moving come on you're dangerous you know that all right steady 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 we got one heavily unrecreational vehicle here man oh this is interesting Uh, yeah, my number three is Stripes. Um, I love this movie. And genuinely, especially if you'd asked me when I was a teenager what my favorite Bill Murray movie was, it was this one. Like, um, And I, I, I would totally understand people saying that Ghostbusters is funnier because I'm sure it is. But like something about, I think Stripes was on TV a lot. So I watched it a lot. So I knew it really well. Um, and yeah, I just always thought it was really funny. Um, I don't know. There's not, there's not much else there other than just 
I really like Stripes. Uh, John Candy is really good in it. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's my number three. It's a it's a fun movie, you know, because it, what I like about it is, <laughs> you know, I mentioned my dad showing us, uh, you know, Commando and things like that, but he would also show us stuff like Full Metal Jacket and Platoon. Yeah, and then when you want to watch a movie like Stripes, you appreciate it because it's right. funny and not heavy. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I'm sure it's one of those things where like, if you, again, if you hadn't seen it when you were younger and so this whole weird story about like them making a super Winnebago and going behind enemy lines in a Winnebago probably comes off as like, this is weird. Um, But like, to me, that's just what happens in the movie. Like that just is what happens. So uh, I always thought it was really funny. Like, yeah, I don't remember it really well, but is the end just like it just kind of goes off the rails and totally like abandons Bill Murray for a bit? Um, I don't think it abandons him. He's like it's because they like they get split up when they go behind enemy lines. And so it's not like it's just about Bill Murray and, and Ivan Reitman anymore um, or not Ivan Reitman. Um, Harold, Harold Ramis. Ramis. Um, so I could see how you could see it that way, but I, I don't think it really abandons him. Um, hmm. I don't remember don't that think one. think he captured yeah. at some point. Anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just always thought it was really funny. So there, there you go. Stripes, watch it. Nice. Zach? All right. Um, my number two is uh, uh, the right movie in the right place. Um, my number two is Escape from New York. It's repeat also. Um, oh, fuck. You got fucked. Yeah, you yeah. really did. Yeah. <laughs> See, almost like you did with the fog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it, look, it's Ryan, almost like you James overvalue is, John Carpenter. It, no, I think if anything, you, you people undervalue him. And I don't appreciate this disdain for Mr. Carpenter and his penchant for playing Fortnite these days. Now, um, <laughs> he really? uh, he's, he's apparently a big video game head. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, um, he and iced tea. I think of the, <laughs> sorry, I just, uh, had, I just had this image of like him yeah, and tea playing call of duty on a couch and it yeah, no. made me happy. <laughs> That's actually a really fun image in my head now too. <laughs> um, it's video games too. I'm just like, when does that guy have the time to play video games? Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, making two movies a year but anyway um, Escape from New York is a film that I kind of uh, got into later in high school and I kept re-watching it my senior year a lot um, I think a lot of it has to do with the in, in terms of an action film I, I appreciate the aesthetic he brings to New York where it's a it's a horror hybrid so it's not strictly just an action movie. It's also got a lot of a horror vibe to it. And there's genuine tense moments throughout the movie, especially when he's wandering through the different like hovels of New York. Um, and I really, I, I do appreciate Kurt Russell getting into this Clint Eastwood type of mode. Um, I think it's like one of those... I, I think if people who are big fans of it are fan for a reason. Like he is an ultimate badass. Like, and he does cavort himself in that manner. If anything, 
everyone else around him is kind of building him up. Snake doesn't want to be there. Snake wants to just Snake's under the impression he's going to die anyway because <laughs> he's basically being he's he's about to be like he's about to be executed until Lee Van Cleef pulls him out and goes like, I've got a job that'll give you your freedom. And he's just like, well, I don't give a fuck, but fuck your president. No, <laughs> I'm done. You caught me, whatever. Like I, I, I just, there's, there's something about the way he carries himself that I appreciate that kind of a character to the point where escape from LA does the same thing at the very end, but in a much more, I don't hate it, but it's a different way. Um, the the whole impetus with Escape from New York being that they have to get this tape played at this world conference that Donald Pleasance is supposed to attend. By the time it gets to the end and he's about to make his speech to the world and he plays the tape and it's just Cabby's music tape and you see Snake Plissken unwinding the tape <laughs> uh, and just like saying like, fuck it, like he doesn't care about world peace. Like the, the world peace doesn't matter. It's it's not necessarily an indictment on the world he sees him in so much. as just like, none of it's going to matter because you're still going to keep this institution around. And it's not like escape from New York has the heaviest themes going on about it, but I appreciate this kind of like fuck it mode that the movie decides to go into by the very end. <laughs> um, and having that kind of snake make that kind of choice at the end. Um, uh, and there's a plethora of wonderful supporting players from Henry, Harry Dean Stanton, on down to Isaac Hayes playing the Duke of New York, a number one. Uh, and Donald Pleasance is not the greatest movie president we've ever had, but he's the most hilarious looking U.S. president in movie history that we've ever had. Because, first of all, Donald Pleasance is a British native. Why is this guy the president of the United States? I guess it doesn't matter. And why are you showing a still from lockdown? <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Actually, I've never seen Lockdown, but I've heard that it's basically this movie in space. Uh, this movie is a Lockout. Lockdown is a movie with Anne Hathaway. Uh, Lockout's pretty good. Okay. All right. Then I'll have to check out Lockdown, Lockout, whatever the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no. Um, and it's a score that I still go back to. I like John Carpenter's scores a lot. This is one that I listen to even more so than like the thing and the thing's like a better movie for me, but this one is yeah, like the thing is yeah, like this, the, the score for this one though, is just a lot of fun. Like it's like an, it's a pretty solid, like early eighties action movie, kind of a score. Um, and I actually like what he ended up doing with the remixes of it for escape from LA, which again, that movie's not perfect, but still get a lot of fun and joy out of it. Um, it see, you're, you're just, you're just, you're just being mean. <laughs> You're just being mean. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and Usual leaving jokes on a podcast. <laughs> Brad, I'm really regretting this whole feed decision. Um, finally, uh, after ten years, we can finally get our visual gags out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, and and Lee Van Cleef. Um, basically being the man that pulls him into this whole into this whole scheme um it's just it's the whole casting across the board is super appropriate for the movie like it, it like there's not a wasted character to me in that movie like even down to Ernest Borgnine playing cabbie like that's just that's just a fun little side character that 
really only becomes important because of his tape at the end. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, so I appreciate the movie a lot and it's one that I still go back to more often than not when it comes to Carpenter. I think it's this, the thing, Hall- Halloween, obviously, but then after that, like the thing escape from New York um, uh, and then um, in the mouth of madness. Um, so like, um, I, I think that, if people haven't given it a watch yet by this point, I think they would owe themselves a favor to do so because they keep trying to remake this movie. And the more I rewatch this one, I'm like, I don't think you need to. I'm not opposed to remakes, but I think this one's fine just the way it is. Like, you could probably leave this one alone and be fine. They also technically tried that with Escape from L.A. and everybody shit their pants. So clearly we can't remake this movie. Um, and I haven't seen Lockdown, James, so I don't know if it's a good read. It's called Lockout. Okay, whatever. And they weren't <laughs> trying to remake it. They were just trying not to get sued, and they failed. Okay. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> it's not, I've actually watched it within the last year. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's not Escape from New York or Lockdown? Lockout. <laughs> I, I, watched, I watched Lockout in the last year. Uh, mm-hmm. And about halfway through the movie, Brooks paused it and said, "Oh, I didn't realize I picked a shitty movie." Your wife's so, super smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she hasn't seen Escape from New York. I didn't show her that one because, like, why? Well, then that's when she's going to say to you, "Oh, I didn't know you picked a great movie." Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brad, move us out of here. Uh, yeah. So we're on my number two. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, you know what? I'm going to uh, enlist Ryan's help for this oh, one. Oh, fuck. Because <laughs> my number two is... Did you guys y'all call each other? Right, wait, Ryan, Ryan, you got to turn your video on because I think you guys are wearing the same shirts today. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Uh, my number two what? is The Evil Dead. And Ryan's my ace in the hole for talking about it. So why don't you take it away, Ryan? <laughs> so many years ago, there was a book called the Necronomicon. <laughs> no, it's uh, obviously made by my favorite director. It's my favorite horror film series. Um, the Evil Dead is amazing. Um, it's it's what happens when you have a really creative person being able to express something the way they want to express it. And I mean, it signaled the arrival of Sam Raimi and all his, um, you know, his techniques. And for someone who has, who is as young as he was during this time, it's, um, it's pretty impressive. And the making of it is even more impressive. Uh, I have a book called the evil dead companion, which just talks about them making this movie. And what they went through to get it done. I mean, it's guerrilla filmmaking. Um, the scene at the end where they're all like melting and it looks like Play-Doh was shot in Sam Raimi's garage because they uh, wanted to add like another like, you know, punch to it. Um, and I mean, the, the, the story's simple. It's these kids go to a cabin in the woods, turn on a tape recorder that chants evil ancient things from a long time ago and it brings alive some monsters that you never really see that just like go really fast through stuff and chase people 
I always thought it was a really interesting choice because you never see what this thing is that chases people, you know? Um, but it scares them. And, <laughs> and there's, and you know, this one is a straight horror film. I mean, it's, you know, the part where she stabs herself in the ankle and <laughs> moves it around. Um, or when she hums that, we're gonna get you is, I mean, it's creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also so over the top that it isn't as a uh, tough of watch as some other horror films. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's on every one of our lists, so that's good. Right. Yeah. The only, the only thing that could top it is if all of us had the same number one. So, I mean, I can't believe that that might actually happen. (laughs) (laughs) At this point, I would, at this point, I wouldn't be able to believe it if it didn't. I know. Right. Yeah. Brad, is there anything you want to add to evil dead? Uh, Not really. Uh, It's just, um, you know, it's such an impressive uh, bit of filmmaking, you know, for someone, it's their first film, you know, it's really inventive on a low budget. Um, and, uh, like, yeah, the other two, like they get sillier as they go. So this one's, you know, more of a straightforward horror movie. And I, I like the silliness more, um, from the other two. Um, but yeah, it just as a filmmaker, it's just so impressive to watch like how inventive he was with what he was doing. And, you know, yeah, you know, I think if I remember right, man, I, I think it was made for $90,000, and I mean, that's really impressive. And you got some of Sam Raimi's slapstick humor in it. And I think that's why when Evil Dead 2 comes around, he has a bigger budget so he can kind of go more balls to the wall and make it sillier and also yeah. frightening, um, which I'm sure he might have tried with this one if he had a bigger budget. Yeah. Because if you watch yeah. their uh, old Super 8 films, which you can't find, like this is based off a short called Within the Woods. Um, there's a lot of Three Stooges moments in him. So he's always done that kind of silliness. Yeah. It, it seems like, you know, like, okay, we're going to make our feature film. Let's take this seriously. So they probably scaled that back a bit. Yeah. But when they got the freedom to like, oh, we get a chance to remake this movie. Let's do it the fun way that we, yeah. we like. So, um, and we have more money. Great. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's awesome. Hell Yeah cool james number two uh, my, my number two is repeat uh my number two is the road warrior um a movie where mel gibson fights this dominatrix dude um so uh like i said before like this was a movie <laughs> so, uh, that's the whole plot uh, it's just that yeah uh there's a lot the the costume, changes, of, uh, the costume decisions in this movie looking back are fascinating but um it reminds me of like i was driving to college springs right recently and there's just a street called leather chaps <laughs> you know like alameda <laughs> it's, just, it's just leather chaps boulevard or something I'm like that's not as cool as you think it is oh <laughs> uh, so i um yeah this is a movie that definitely like defined an aspect of what i thought was cool which is an interesting which is an interesting sentence in light of what we're talking about but what i really mean is like the truck sequence that like that truck chase is such a cool action scene um the twist at the end of it is so good like again 
if you'd asked, you know, 15, 16 year old me for a list of top 10 action movies of all time, this might've been on there simply because of that part. Like, I just always thought, like, I thought the character was cool. Like I, I would almost argue like if you could put them in their context, like I still think this might be a better movie. Like, like if you thought about it in terms of like, okay, you either get, you know, Road Warrior the year it came out by comparison to everything else, or, you know, uh, Fury Road the year it came out. Like, you know, if you could live in that context, I just think it's really cool um, and pretty impressive for like the budget of that film and whatever. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, the Road Warrior is awesome and was always one of my favorites. And then, you know, you get Fury Road and it's like, uh, it's like a dream come true. So that's my number two. I just realized this dude's rocking the hockey mask a year before Jason gets his. I know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it makes you wonder what Jason's got on under the rest of his clothes. Right. Like chaps. Uh, yeah. So I guess we're going to take a break to uh, acknowledge uh, a first for the show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're, we all have the same number one. Yeah. Huh? Which is not that hard to say because it's the greatest adventure film of all time. I, you know what? I wish I could say I'd planned this because I think two other times we were close. Like I, I think uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit was one of them where like I put it at my number two mm-hmm. and you guys all had it as number one. Yep. So I'd like to say that I planned this where I was like, no, 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 it's it's got to be 81. But I, I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and here's the trailer. For nearly 3,000 years, man has searched for the lost Ark of the Covenant. The Bible speaks of the Ark leveling mountains and laying waste to entire regions. Not something to be taken lightly. No one knows its secrets. Jones, do you realize what the Ark is? It's a transmitter. It's a radio for speaking to God. An army which carries the Ark before it is invincible. The Ark, if it is there at Tarnis, then it is something that man was not meant to disturb. It is protected by forces beyond imagination. It is desired above all treasures on earth by those who are good, trust me, and those who are evil. I tell you everything. Yes, I know you will. Raiders of the Lost Ark. There you go. Please, we have no time. If you still want the Ark, it has been loaded onto a truck for Cairo. Raiders of the Lost Ark. A film from Steven Spielberg and George Lucas.
Hey, Zach, why don't you go ahead and introduce the film for us? Just kidding. It's Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> Fuck you, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brad, is it too? It, it's all. Hey, Brad, everyone. is it too late for me to make it make a change and uh, put Great Muppet Keeper at number one? <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, yeah, the graphics is, been made. Okay. That's what you really want. Um. So normally, I would you know talk about why my pick is the best, but James, this is one of your most favorite films, so I think you should wax poetically about Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Um, I've, I've done that a number of times on this show. Uh, so I've told the story of like the fact that this movie is so good. It taught me about how character and story actually work. There's a whole sequence where the, the villain of the movie explains to you how to create a good villain. Um, but I, I mean, I, I think especially in this year with all the stuff we've talked about, the biggest thing is to talk about like, I think specifically what Frank Marshall does as the second unit director creating the action sequences for this movie, most specifically the truck sequence is legendary. I mean, this like, I think two or three of the action scenes in this movie would be listed as the greatest action set pieces of all time. Um, you see people try to do some of this. What was it? I just saw a trailer or something. Oh, oh, um, uh, the, the, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier has like a truck sequence that is very like reminiscent. Like you've seen people try to do it and it just still doesn't quite measure up. Um, it is an absolute masterpiece. Um, and then I, I think uh, I would also talk about Marion Ravenwood and the fact that this is a movie ahead of its time as far as creating a um, a female heroine who's actually really cool, who's not just a damsel in distress, even though she serves that purpose from time to time. Um, like, she's a cool, inspiring, fun character. We're not going to talk about the underage sex thing. Um, and... And and it's somebody that like when I watch that movie, like I'm thrilled by and and excited for and like watching her smack people in the face with frying pans and escape and all of that stuff. Um, I, like, I mean, I feel like she has the same level of agency as Princess Leia, which makes sense given who's making these. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, she's she's definitely a passenger in the story, similar to Princess Leia, right? Where like they're we're all going together to wherever it is we're trying to get but you know every now and then princess leia is going to take the take the blaster and shoot down the thing and jump into the garbage chute um same thing with marion um i think that maybe the relationship there is even better right like that that first scene between uh which now now that i say we're not going to talk about the underage thing i'm going to specifically talk about that scene but that first scene where like he goes and meets her at the bar and like she gives him hell like you just can't help but love her like she's great um she's a really well written character um and yeah i i adore that movie i could watch it every day forever um it's just a lot of fun it is it is a perfect film i i just don't think you know um yeah i, I just don't know that you could really fix it or make it better so what's, yeah, what's fun is that it's universally loved too um 
I took when, when movies theater started reopening, um, they were showing classic films and Kellen loves going to the movies and Kellen loves action movies. And so they're playing Raiders of the Lost Ark. And so I asked Kellen because he saw it about a year ago and he always remembered it when Indy was hanging off the truck and, you know, trying to hang on and he gets shot and, you know, he's fighting the bad guys. Kellen loves that scene. So I asked if he wanted to see that in the movie theater and he said, yeah, I do. So when I went to see it at uh, the Highlands Ranch 24, it is the most attended film I've seen since they've reopened the films there. It was sold out. People were cheering. People were laughing and nothing's more cool than watching a movie that you love. And that is that well-made still hold up 40 years later that everything about it's iconic. I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be Indiana Jones, you know, um, I wanted the fedora. I wanted the whip. Um, and I, my appreciation for Raiders is I can't even put into words because it's a, such an important film to me. Um, I just love everything about it. And that my little boy loves the film too is just the cherry on top of my movie Sunday, because that's what I, <laughs> it sounds really lame, but when I, when I, now that my little boy's older, you know, I'm always afraid to show him movies that I love because <laughs> is he going to love these movies? Like I love these movies. Yeah. And I can say that he loves the Indiana Jones movies. Like I love the Indiana Jones movies that he can tell you um, why he loves them is really fun too. You know, he loves them because Indiana Jones, he said, is a very tough guy, daddy. And, uh, and I, so I said, well, what do you mean, Kellen? He said, well, when he's hanging off the front of the truck, you have to be really strong. And I said, you do have to be really strong. And um, yeah, and I just love the iconic uh, shots in it. You know, when he goes to the bar at the beginning and his shadow is cast along the wall and Marion knows who it is right away because of his shadow. Um, when they're digging in Egypt, I think the shot of just them with the sunset is incredible. Um I could just go on and on about this movie, why I love it. Um, Brad, why is it your number one film? Yeah, it's, it's a like far above the others. Number one, you know, look like trying to make this list and, you know, like I like evil dead and the road warrior and uh, Friday the 13th, but like those caliber of movies, like Raiders is so far ahead of all those. It's uh, incredible for this year. Um, uh yeah it's 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 a great adventure movie it's a, it's a great love letter to the old serials mm-hmm. um you know it would it would be easy to make like a a zucker brothers uh lampooning of the serials but you know mm-hmm. lucas and spielberg made something like is its own thing you know it's james bond for americans you know um yeah um what else yeah the, the like the stunts are great um you know, it, they could have just copied what the serials did, you know, the low budget soundstage serials, but, you know, they, they brought it into like a larger world and like elevated it. Um, yeah. And like, the, like, 
I've, I've said it before, like Last Crusade is my favorite because it plays mm -hmm. with the the puzzle solving aspect of you know this mythical archaeology type thing they're they're doing. Um, but Raiders is just like the, this great template for um, the action adventure movie. Mm -hmm. You know, um, like it still works without you know need to be as clever as Last Crusade is. So. You know what it is? I, I realize it's it's wish fulfillment in a similar way, and this is going to sound crazy, but let me get there. In a similar way to like the Transformers movies. And what I mean is that like when you're a kid and you're smashing your action figures together and pretending that they're fighting, like Transformers is sort of like the this is how cool in your head as a child, like what you might've dreamt of as like these big action scenes where buildings are falling down and it's crazy and it doesn't make any sense. Right. Like Indiana Jones is kind of like the wish fulfillment of what those adventure books and those adventure serials, like kind of hoped they could have been like, it's so bizarrely like, it's like a perfection of that idea. Um, yeah. Man. Zach, why is it your number one film? Um, you know, I, I, I mean, well, number one, if I didn't have it at number one, I probably would have, I, I would have regretted it down the line. Cause I do go back to this movie a lot. Oh, you would have regretted it. I'll, I'll, I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> um, I mean, and this, when I say that it's, it has nothing to do with the, the shit that would have gotten, gotten thrown my way, uh, in, in uh in the grand scheme of film explosion history with me um it does have more to do with the fact that there's there are times when there's a difference between what uh means more to me personally versus what is objectively like no 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 like anybody anywhere hasn't seen this movie they need to watch it immediately i would say it's raiders of the lost ark before uh escape from new york even which i love escape from new york so it's a fun movie that I go back to a lot, but Raiders of the Lost Ark is an essential film that is essential, not just for the reasons of its posterity and its pop culture iconography and its beloved factors on it. It's a movie that I've, I've, I have found within the last couple of years, especially to be a valuable teaching tool um, for how you see the lineage of where films started in the early days of cinema up to this, up to that point in history. Um, and perhaps it's because of what I've started doing on my own stuff um, or just listening to other filmmakers talk about these older adventure films from the era, like a Gunga Din um, where mm -hmm. People like Kasdan, Lucas, Spielberg are drawing off of their film heritage to tell their version of that story. Because I am like a proponent of like origin being uh, writing original stories this this day and age. It's not about writing an original story. It's about taking tropes that we all know and love and writing your version of it. It's your version of that story. But the story's always been there. It's a timeless tale. Um and I appreciate that this is kind of like the cream of the crop example for it. The dialogue is pitch perfect. The action filmmaking is on point here. Not just the truck scene, but the scene in the bar. Um, the opening, especially the opening. Uh, I, I love the opening where we establish that like 
let's put aside for the fact if you were not growing up when I did, where Indiana Jones is already established. If you're going into a movie theater in 1981 and you see that opening image of Indiana Jones coming out of the darkness <laughs> and and going into light, like that, like there there's a there's a shade of darkness about it that Spielberg is using to suggest like. You know, this is not just this isn't like strictly just your good guy. He can get dirty if he needs to. So there's wonderful examples of film imagery being utilized to teach a young film goer about how you identify a character and what creates this kind of I don't know if Indiana Jones is necessarily like a purely anti-hero, but he makes a lot of anti-hero choices because he's not afraid to get dirty, but like What's the one thing you know about him that can clearly identify him as the ultimate good guy is he flat out says to, flat out says it belongs in a museum. Like we know what he's what we know what he's all about. We know that ultimately into the end of the day, he is doing things for the right reasons. Um, He'd actually way- be a better hero if he had just let the Ark do its, do its thing and not try to <laughs> <laughs> keep the Nazis from getting it. Um, it would have stopped Hitler, but just had to put it in a museum. <laughs> don't worry brad it didn't go to the museum it's being examined by top men what i think you mean men because if he hadn't like the nazis would have come and got it after belloc gets killed yeah, and then they would have opened would have it again it directly to hitler yeah they would have brought it to hitler and hitler would have opened it again and then gotten his face melted man mm-hmm. wow indiana jones is the villain <laughs> we just yeah. we just ruined this movie and in three, you know, he's actually he's actually excited to get Hitler's signature. I'm wondering whose side Indiana Jones is really on. Oh shit, guys! Uh, that was his chance protecting. Yeah, you know how you we, keep, you know how you keep Hitler from being immortal for by drinking from the 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 Grail. Uh, you just fucking knife Hitler when you have the chance. <laughs> <laughs> Drop an arc in his lap. <laughs> See, guys. Bogart took a bit, but he ultimately did shoot a Nazi at the end of Casablanca. Well, Indiana Jones Jones kills some Nazis. (laughs) But he doesn't kill the big one. Yeah. (laughs) One of my most favorite moments in Last Last Crusade where his his dad goes, so violent. (laughs) Right. Um, I can't believe what you've done. Uh, And... uh, I mean, I don't know. I ultimately, when it comes down to it, too, I do quote this movie on my in my day in my in my regular world, like more oh, yeah. often than I what, what, what like whatever. Like considering like Indiana Jones is not like even my favorite franchise in the world, but it is one that I refer to a lot. Um, and like this one is objectively the best one. Like this, it's not even a question. Um, the third one has the best script. Okay, if we're talking about picture, I'm not talking like yeah. here. Let me get let me get Oscar technical for you. Best picture versus best screenplay, James. <laughs> Just say it. Um, we all know that best director goes to Temple of Doom because that movie's scary as shit and it's a wonderfully delightful macabre piece. Very outdated, but very delightfully macabre. It actually wins. Um, it actually wins best documentary for being about George Lucas's divorce. It, <laughs> it's not just Lucas's divorce, my friend. I know. <laughs> we just talk about uh how iconic the the boulder opening sequence is that like it showed up in so much mm-hmm. pop culture 
UHF, uh, a wonderful film by Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> Just bring yeah. it back together. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I. It's Sorry, incredible. Ryan, what were you saying? Oh, yeah. Nothing. Um, uh, snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Um, bad dates. Oh, yeah. The monkey. That monkey yeah. is so good. Yeah. Man. It's a great monkey actor. This yeah. and Sunset Boulevard have great monkey actors. Uh, all um, of John Reese Davies in the movie is great. Like, underappreciated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I mean, it, it would have been stupid of me not to put this at number one. Yep. Um, and, and I do like going. <laughs> uh, you know, I, you know, I, I was going to keep going, but after that now, Ryan, I'm changing my number. Nah, my number one is the howling. Yeah, so, graphics already know. made. No, doesn't matter. Howling, go ahead and change it. So we got a lot of responses for this we year, did. which is actually kind of surprising to me because it's, 40 years old, but everyone must have loved this year. Um, James, did your mother send us a email? She did. You want me to do that one first? Yeah. Hey, cool. Um, here's, here's the email from my mom. Okay. Uh, it says, Film Explosion 1981. Oh, uh, and I promised I'll, I'll read the whole thing this time. I don't know what <laughs> happened last time. That was weird. Film Explosion 1981. Hello, real nerds. I hope this finds you all safe and warm during this supposed to be the snowstorm of the century. We'll see. Uh, at, at this time on Sunday afternoon, it, it's a lot of snow. Uh, first, I want to say thank you for all the kind, wor- kind words regarding wanting me to be on the show or at least write in more. Of course, now I'd be afraid to come on because it would mean the end of real nerds. Uh, I will try to remember... <laughs> I would try to remember to let you know about the good stuff we've been watching. Second, hmm, how do I say this without triggering Zach? Thanks, Zach, for steering us clear of a movie starring Liam Neeson, which we might have been tempted to watch. I think huh. this must be a, what, what? The, that recent Liam Neeson movie. Did you tell everybody? Oh, that? honest. Oh, the yeah, the one that I don't like. Yeah. No, yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, 1981 was a long time ago. Most of these movies I haven't seen in a very long time, so it's difficult to remember details, just whether I remember them fondly. Unlike Porky's stupid male humor, no offense, I can't believe that th- that I can't believe that movie is number three on IMDb list. Yuck. Uh, that was a weird. Okay, I, I see what you were saying. Yeah, that's um, a testament to the uh, you, you general users of IMDb. Right. I, remind me, there's a movie on on Letterbox I want to ask you guys about because I hadn't heard of it. That's like okay. number three. Um, out of the top 200 movies on IMDb, I have seen 22. There are at least wow, I can't believe she went through 200 movies. I mean, I'm sure I did too, but that's dedication for that year. Um, there are three that I haven't seen that I have a feeling will be on more than one of your uh, that more than one of you will have on their list. Uh, An American Werewolf in London, Escape from New York, The Road Warrior. No, my mom has seen Escape from New York, I think, because I remember watching Escape from L.A. with her and it would be torture for me to have watched the second and not the first. I was um, only not remembering it because it was so amazing that it gave her amnesia. I don't think that's what she was saying. Uh, <laughs> and I can't believe she hadn't seen The Road Warrior. But um, d- don't judge me. Tell me if you think I will like them. Um, no. Um, <laughs> here, here goes. Number 10, Raggedy Man. 
Uh, I would probably watch this one again. All I can remember is that Sissy Spacek, it, all I can remember about it is Sissy Spacek and that it was good. Uh, I needed a number 10 and didn't want to put Zorro the Gay Blade, even though I think I may have liked it. I don't know who this person is. I don't know who this person is who's talking. Um, number nine, The Four Seasons. This movie has a great cast. Alan Alda, Carol Burnett. Oh, uh, that was a good cast. Rita Morona. Rita Moreno. Moreno. Uh, she, she, she wrote it wrong. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Uh, the story is about three couples who have been friends for many years and go on vacation together. It's all about relationships, funny, sad, stupid, drama, hard, and worth it. Uh, number eight, Arthur. I didn't even, I don't remember seeing that on the list. Um, yeah. Sir John Geigel, Geigood. Geelgood. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the best things in the movie. Arthur is a spoiled brat who needs to grow up. Hmm. I know I liked it a lot at the time, uh, but right now I'm not sure why. Uh, number seven, Time Bandits. It's been too long. I just remember that it was fun. Number six. It's like your I, review of it, James. <laughs> I know. right? I, probably because the last time I saw it was the last time she saw it. Um, it's almost as if they're related. Yeah. We rented it as a family. Like it was a family movie night was watching Time Bandits once. Um, mm. Okay. Uh, oh, so number six is Stripes. Uh, okay. So probably surprised to see this after the crack I made about Porky's, but this is very different. This movie is one of the funniest I have ever seen. I'm uh, sure it's pretty dated by now, but at the time it was, uh, it was new stuff with Bill Murray and John Candy. Uh, number five, great, uh, great, ugh, sorry. Number five, Continental Divide. Uh, John Belushi is great as a Chicago newspaper reporter who runs from the mob and hides in the mountains of Wyoming. Oh, Wyoming. Oh, I guess those are still the Rockies. I thought it was Colorado. Uh, with an expert on eagles, uh, it's funny and sweet and at times silly. Number four, Chariots of Fire. Uh, my mom is wrong. Um, I love this movie. I don't care what anyone says. It's because that movie is just so fucking, so fucking boring. Like, oh my god, I need to bad. I need to adopt Carol's philosophy. I like this movie, and I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, Chariots She's of not Fire. Not the only one in your family that thinks it's great. Chariots of Fire. It's just awful. Um. Uh, number three, Absence of Malice. Uh, how can you miss with Paul Newman and Sally Field? Uh, I keep telling James that he needs to see this movie. Yeah, I've never seen this movie. Uh, maybe he has by now. No, I haven't. Uh, we just watched it again last night. Wow, I should watch this movie. Uh, there are some hard lessons about trust and listening in the story. Really enjoyed Wilfred Brimley's character. Holy shit, I need to see this movie. Uh, number two, On Golden Pond. I'm thinking maybe we'll watch this one tonight. Henry Fonda, Jane Fonda, Catherine Hepburn. Uh, what a beautiful family story. A reminder that time is always moving and none of us have a promise of tomorrow. Say the words you need to say now. Uh, update. We watched it tonight and it was wonderful, as I remembered. Uh, even the score is amazing. Interesting. I'm going to have to watch that again soon. Uh, number one, Indiana Jones and The Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is not the title of the movie. Uh, duh. Uh, could not even begin. That to is the title of it on IMDb. Isn't that weird? They must have retconned the title. Yeah, must have. Yeah, weird. Because it's funny because nobody ever references the actual, um, the actual title card for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Even though I also think that that font style is cool, right? Everybody knows the Indiana Jones, but like the actual film title card with like the R's with the double white line in it. Yeah, like, mm -hmm. I think it's, it's cool. Eurostarks. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, uh, Fritz Quadrata. Wow, look at you, man. Sheesh. <laughs> 
Um, Master Brad. <laughs> uh, there you have it. As always, I look forward to listening and maybe learning about something new. But mostly, I'm really looking forward to the time when we can all sit in a theater together. March 6th marked a year since we had been in a theater. Uh, that hasn't happened since about 1967. Holy shit. That puts some some context to this. Um, I truly hope to see you all very soon. Love you all, Carol. Uh, also, my mom's been texting while we were on here, and she keeps saying that she's very sad that she can't see Ryan's face. Oh, so, thanks, uh, Carol. Anyway. Sorry, but she can. She can see his lovely face uh, hanging out with his kid. Yep. My, uh, my internet's really unstable. Like when I've been doing this stream from YouTube, every once in a while it freezes. Yeah. <clears throat> Lousy Idaho Springs. <laughs> do you want to do your brother's list too uh yeah where'd he post it was it on facebook real realtor's gmail oh i'd have to log into it you do it here i'll um, do it okay do, or, yeah go ahead Brad. uh this is from uh james's brother jake hi guys it's jake hart again i heard you wanted 1981 lists and i've been i've seen some movies from 1981 <laughs> This list is a this list is empirically accurate and should be considered the final word on the subject. Can you tell he's my brother? <laughs> Number ten, time bandits. Love Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, love there's a question mark at the end of that. Love Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Desperate for anything else uh, from some of those guys? This is the one. <laughs> Number nine, the great Muppet Caper. Not the best Muppets movie, and I haven't seen it since I was like seven. I know how that feels, but still. <laughs> yeah. Number eight, Dragon Slayer. This cheesy fantasy is memorable from watching it with my high school sci-fi club. Yeah. Uh, no, number seven, Chariots of Fire. It's like a James is in the minority. No, this is bullshit because Jake has made fun of Chariots of Fire with me for twenty years. <laughs> like. I remember no, what he said. Jake, Jake has a terrible memory, and he and I have mi- like picked on my mom about how bad Chariots of Fire is for twenty years. So he's thing. he's on drugs. Here, here's <laughs> the thing, James. You can you can love a movie to death and still find a way to poke holes and giggle at it a little bit. Uh huh. He yep. said, da 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 da. Evangelies, yeah. This is a high-quality, deserving film, which still somehow ended up behind number six, Escape from New York. <laughs> it's not just cheese. It's Velveeta cheese. <laughs> number five. What is it with all you people? <laughs> if, you, if, if you make Zach think you did something cheesy, you really did something cheesy. God dang it. It's, it's, it is. I guess it is cheesy, but I know why it's being said. So cheesy is for five is artificial uh, cheese food, man. For your eyes only. Featuring the only car to ever survive James Bond driving it. A tiny Citroen made out of a lawnmower and a box of paper clips. So I do want to point out that so far, while not in the same order, his his ten through eight are my ten through eight. I don't think it changes because his number four is History of the World Part One. Yep. Mel Brooks makes all the great tragedies of history fun. Number three, Stripes. <laughs> Army training, sir. <laughs> number two, The Road Warrior. I've long been partial to post-apocalyptic. I've long been partial to post-apocalyptic settings, and as far as I'm concerned, this movie invented it. Someone else may have actually invented it, but they are they are a little puppy. And yes, I am aware this is a sequel, and I stand by my statement. <laughs> Wait, 
wait. So does that mean I can call one of you guys a little puppy if you guys don't agree with my choices? I just start I using that phrase. Thing. I've never heard that phrase before. J- James, find out what your brother means. I'm confused. I don't know. He said, "I like I said, he's on drugs, man." Uh, if he was on drugs, because he write, could he write this dissertation for Raiders of the Lost Ark as his number one? Wow. I mean, sometimes that helps with it. Apparently, yeah. He uh, he wrote, duh. <laughs> <laughs> you you know what? I agree with that. that yeah. Can we can we have him write that for the official Academy Awards synopsis? Like for, like when they break down each year and they reason why each one was nominated. That's just the word that goes next to Raiders of the Lost Ark for its nomination for Best Picture. I will point and, out. And the Oscar goes to La La Land. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> I will point out that is also what my mom said. Like the first word in her review of, of, of Raiders was duh. <laughs> it's a family thing. Yeah, your family's on the same page. Um, yeah, the, we got a bunch of Twitter stuff, I guess. Yeah. Um, yes, we've got some Twitter ones. Um Ryan, do you want me to start off with some that I received? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, so first off, we got Tree Kimber, um, who's been listening since she uh, found out about us via the film club. Um, she chose The Entity, which uh, Ryan and I talked about not too long ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Evil Speak, Strange Behavior, and Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. Yeah, Tree's a, Tree's a horror fan. So actually, Ryan, you and Tree would get along. Yeah, uh, Evil uh, Speak is weird. Uh, Clint Howard's mm. really good in it. I've never seen Evil Speak, but you're, she's not the only one to have put this on her list. Uh, Smokey from Rated H Podcast wrote down Scanners, uh, Blake Edwards' SOB, which is a good movie, uh, Escape from New York, and Evil Speak. So yeah. uh, two, two for Evil Speak. Uh, and then Kev Moore uh, from Film Guff and Amicus is Here wrote Possession, Time Bandits, Escape from New York, For Your Eyes Only, and an American werewolf in London. So, that, uh, so yeah, they're the first person to mention Possession. Letterbox has Possession as the number three most relevant film of the year, like the one that most people have marked as seen. Have you guys ever seen Possession? Do you know what? It's a Sam Neill movie. Okay, interesting. No, no. never seen it. I just it stood out to me because I was like, wait a second, like, you know, Stripes is on page two, History of the World is on page two, but the number three movie uh, is is Possession. So anyway, maybe maybe this is one we need to on a down week we review possession. Yeah, it's just weird because you know they the by default they list them by popularity, which I put in quotes because it's just a mark of whether or not like how many people users say they've seen the movie, right? So the right. top three movies are Raiders, Evil Dead, and then Possession before American Werewolf, which is right. crazy to me. Sweet. And then uh, Tyler Maybe, uh, one of the co-hosts of Pop Culture Brews, wrote uh, Escape from New York, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Friday the 13th Part 2, and Stripes. Nice. Uh, our friend uh, Andy also just put Stripes. So <laughs> That's right. So they that's, know it. Uh, Stripes is fun. It is fun. Uh, sorry, I got to go back a little bit because Zach Bynes sent one when I first posted and I forgot to flag it and now I can't find it. Yeah. I think extra cool sent a response on Twitter that I can't find either. I'll search it. Um, Batman with cats said Raiders. Of the oh, that's Anthony Cuba. <laughs> uh, Raiders of the lost Ark, history of the world. Part one stripes, 
an American werewolf in London, Escape from New York, and topped it off with, wow, what a great year for film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anthony does a really fun podcast called Poptimistic. So he, he's really into pop uh, nerd culture like us. So. Cool. Uh, I found uh, the other Zacks. Um, his is in no particular order. Uh, Evil Dead. The Prowler. Fuck yeah. Someone else got Prowler on there. <laughs> Halloween 2. Uh, Scanners. Happy Birthday to Me, which is another slasher film. It's interesting. Um, An American Werewolf in London. The Beyond. Excalibur. Which I saw for the... Sorry? I was going to say, like, The Beyond. It was the first time. Like, I saw the, the drive-in with uh, Bruce Campbell last year. Oh, cool. Groovy. It's a, it's a, it's a weird one. Was it Fulci? Yeah. Uh, Excalibur History of the World Part 1 and Mad Max 2 aka The Road Warrior Is Happy Birthday to Me like the kids getting like the kebab stuff in his face on the box? Yeah, that's that's on the poster, yeah Yeah Did we get Pirate Cat? Yes Yeah, that, that, yeah Batman but with cats, that was him Wait, was Extra Cool, is that the list? That wasn't Zach's list. That's not Zach Bynes. That's it. extra cool. That's a different guy. <laughs> That's extra cool. <laughs> Fuck. What do I do with I his gonna, list? I was going to be like, do I do I mention this or do I just let him ride? <laughs> no, you need to stop me from being an idiot, Zach. God damn it. Well, you never stopped me from being an idiot, so I should <laughs> help you out. <laughs> Don't be an idiot. Best advice I ever got. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I just uh, avoid the whole thing. Zach liked oh, that. Oh, here. I got, I got Zach Bynes' one. All right, cool. Yeah, uh, in no particular order, an American werewolf in London, the burning, which uh, Ryan, I saw that and I was like, yeah, no, that's not happening. <laughs> it's all right, but but yeah, it's it's a fun movie to watch, but mm. it's yeah, no, it, it, not for me. But uh, Clash of the Titans, nice, uh, the decline of Western civilization, that's a really good choice. <laughs> um, Escape from New York, The Evil Dead, The Fun House, um, which was in contention for me. Miss 45, Polyester, John Waters' film Polyester, and The Prowler. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Prowler showed up on three people's list. Nice. Yeah. Clash of the Titans. <laughs> we got a lot of horror fans. We got a lot of horror fans chiming in. It's a, good a fun year for horror films. It's a good year so. for horror. Yeah. Clash of the Titans is another one of those like cult classic films that like people who were alive then really liked that I think is like neat. Like you look like from just a film history perspective is like cool to look at. Yeah, not not one I would have put on my list. It's um we we had a sci-fi film club in when I was in sixth grade. And they mainly were showing Star Wars films, but one week they showed Clash of the Titans. Yeah. And I was like, this is fine. This is not. It's yeah, fine. And then I saw the then I saw the remake, and I was like, this is worse. Right. This is worse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, did we watch Clash of, the, Clash of the Titans for world history? Uh, yes. <laughs> it's very yeah. important to us to know the Medusa story. No, you did not. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like a Greek mythology thing. <laughs> oh, public school, man. The best. Yeah, hey, here, I'm, hey, James, I've got a good one for you. You want to hear an actual true thing? Oh. Science class in seventh grade. It was a snowy day or like whatever, like one of those dead days, like holiday days. And she picked science related movies. And one of them was Osmosis Jones. (laughs) 
Yep, it's there. If you people want to know why I'm stupid, that <laughs> might be a pointed reason. <laughs> you want to know why I don't know much about molecular science? Because <laughs> Chris Rock taught me about it. <laughs> I'd also like to point out as Zach Vines has his own podcast now, Talking Trauma. Yep. You can listen to it on YouTube. And um, I will be a guest on one of the episodes very soon. Oh my gosh. Um, so thanks for everybody for sending in those lists. That's awesome. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, next week on our show, after three years, we will be seeing Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, the four and a four hour, two minute epic of uh, Zack Snyder's vision. Every time I see something new, can... I'm like, did he just say, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to put this in there and see what happens? That's what it kind of feels like. Um, yeah. So or we could watch Osmosis Jones. <laughs> Um, so, uh, our next retro film explosion will be 1991, be in a couple months. Also, we are going to be doing our hundred favorite films from our 10 years as a podcast, uh, where we will debate those. Um, you can follow us. God, I hope it's in the same room. Yeah, I know <laughs> we will. Um, you can follow us on all social media platforms. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hi. Hello. Oh, I mean, bye. I'm telling you, oh, it's a film explosion. Film explosion. The Real Nerds Film Explosion theme song was written and performed by Bolonium. Check out Bolonium on iTunes or buy their new record, Snacktacular, from Needle Juice Records. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day. <laughs>